This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we are doing our Mock Draft 2.0. We are back. That was really douchey. Oh! <laughs> uh, mock Draft 2.0. Uh, we are also going to throw in Wet Boys there, but we're super excited to be back in the Mock Draft business. And the more we look into this, the more you guys did uh, a big board on mm-hmm. the Primetime Podcast. Yeah. Uh, the more we spent a week on this, uh, the more I'm realizing this draft class isn't so great. Uh, and last yeah, year was so pretty damn we special. A little bit. Last year was insane. Yeah. I mean, and we look back at the year before, the year prior, uh, 2016, like the first time we all did a mock draft um, together on the, the podcast. Like that year was super special. Like, because yep. I mean, it was our first year, and then we also had the mm-hmm. Markel versus Lonzo stuff, and that. Draft class has kind of lost a little bit of shine just because Markel hasn't been playing, Lonzo hasn't been great, Josh Jackson hasn't been great, but still but like JT though, JT, but JT uh, though, and, and so too. Um, <laughs> but that that one was a, a, a fun draft class, and, and obviously there was plenty of talent going into the twelfth pick. But right now, it doesn't feel like that's really happening, and we suffer a couple losses, especially with Ball Ball uh, yeah. being injured. But we'll talk all about that, and we'll also do our uh, Wet Boys. Our weekly segment, or we're probably just going to have to name it to the James Harden segment. <laughs> I can't help it. What, this is three straight weeks? Yeah. So we'll talk about that. I hope we get the double. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into that, uh, please rate us five stars on iTunes. We got our audio uh, downloads uh, listen uh, you know, for the year 2018. We had our best year. wasn't even close, and that's all thanks to everyone who listens on iTunes, everyone who listens on uh, you know, Block Talk Radio, Stitcher, uh, any podcasting service out there that we're available on. It's all thanks to you, so we want to thank you for that. And if, again, you are on iTunes, you do have the time, please rate us five stars. It means an absolute ton to us. Um, so if you do have that opportunity, uh, please take the time out of your day and uh, do that for us. We greatly appreciate uh, if you do that. And if you do it, uh, you know, tweet at us uh, that you, uh, you know, gave us that review. I'll, I'll retweet you. I'll talk to you. I'll give you a big thanks, too, because uh, we <laughs> truly do appreciate it. But let's jump into what boys we're talking about. The soggiest of shooters, the dampest of dudes, the wettest of boys, the moistest of men as well. You said I the really, title in the... Uh... I got to get back in the swing of things. I've been <laughs> off for about a, a month now. Uh, but we're getting into the guys that absolutely balled off over the past week, the guys who had fantastic outings, historic performances. Uh, and I'll start off this week, weirdly enough, because oh. we talk about historic performances, and i got to give a shout-out to my boy Yusuf Nurkic, 20 points per game over the past three games, 13 total rebounds, 6 assists, 57% from the field, 79% from the line. Not the best candidate out there because, like Ricky said, he was thinking about you know a guy like Luka Doncic out there. Uh, a lot of great games. Uh, Gordon Hayward was out there. He dropped 36 mm-hmm. on like 11 or 14 shooting. Yeah. But Yusuf Nurkic not only won this game but uh, against the Sacramento Kings, but he had a 5x5, five five, 24 points, 23 boards, 7 assists, 5 steals, 5 blocks. Shout out to Yusuf Nurkic. That's the second 5x5 uh, five five this year. Anthony Davis actually had one against Philly back on November 11th, uh, or November 21st. Uh, 12 points, 16 boards, 6 assists, 5 blocks, 5 steals. They lost that game, and he got destroyed by uh, Joel Embiid. Uh, so much that NBAHoopsOnline.com, the one that follows all my 5x5s, does not have AD on there. They do have Nurkic on there. It might have been like a stat correction one. I don't know. They do not have Anthony Davis on there, though. So uh, shout out to Nurkic. Uh, I guess the only legit uh, five by five this year. So uh, yeah. Nurkic, 
gets a wet boy, but Ricky, we'll go to you. Well, I was going to say that um, with mine, I was thinking go to Dave first, but I'll go to mine. Carl Anthony Towns. I had basically three in my head. Sure. Luca was one because yeah. the movie had on playoff P, like shaking him out of his shoes. And then my favorite thing of Luca this week is he sees himself on the board and just gives a little golf clap, just a little, little clap. I have to apologize to Luca. I hated on him all through the but draft what process. What happens when it, Well, you know he proved me wrong, and now he's I'm enjoying. Not enough. I'm enjoying he's too the Luca. I'm enjoying the Luca Doncic. <laughs> Just kitchen. say what we're on. I mean, I didn't say that. I would never say that. But <laughs> basically, shoot. he was Luca. The line three feet Joe, further back. Joe was my second one. Almost gave it to Embiid, but I like Carl Anthony Towns averaging a double double. This week with 16 boards, 30 points, shooting a ridiculous clip from not just the field, but from three as well. Got to keep the T-Wolf train going. Derek got it last week. Carl's going to get this week. Uh, and also, Cat was massively locked in defensively, too. He mm-hmm. bullied the shit out of the, the Miami team so much that he was very close uh, to getting a 5x5 five five as well. He was like uh, two steals away or something like that because he had 34 points, uh, 18 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, three steals and and six blocks. So he was uh, a monster. He's inconsistently in incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And he's he's never locked in. Uh, but when he is, he's very scary. Yeah, it's um, it's unprecedented how uh, just how efficient he is for a fucking big man. I just I, I never get over it. Yeah, he's he's insane. I mean, we talked about this last year. Uh, yeah, he was like one of one of seventeen players to shoot fifty, forty five, uh, and ninety percent or eighty five percent. Uh, from three, and it was like it's incredible. A great company. Yeah, yeah, I mean he's he's massively efficient, still super young, uh, and also just shout out to Luca too. I mean he's a, he's a highlight he machine. A, yeah, uh, and like those past, step backs, just all day, insane. In the past three games, uh, twenty points, forty four percent from the field, forty one percent from three, eighty three percent from the line, six boards, five assists, insane, awesome kid. Yeah, I'll, I'll love to him. Give us your weapon. Unfortunately, I'm just going with the easy one because James Harden, for once. Beat the refs. James Harden usually gets the ref assist. Now he beats the refs. Like, look, James Harden popped off again this week, putting up 43, 11, and 10. No big deal. Just shooting 41% from the field, 44% from three on volume shooting. Did I mention volume shooting mm-hmm. from three? Because the man's a fucking trebuchet out there. Like, it's just so many shots. I don't know. He's a marksman. He was a sniper last night. He was night. a sniper. But I'm just saying, like, he just, the amount of shots he's taking is insane, but he's doing everything this Rockets team needs because they don't have a second star in Chris Paul because he's hurt all the damn time. Well, and here's the talk now. He's now leader in the clubhouse. He's got four wet boys. Uh, AD has three. D Rose has three. Uh, LeBron, Steph have two, along with KD, who has two. Um, looking at that leaderboard. James Harden obviously has four, and I think he has four in the past month or something like that. Three in the past three weeks. We look at AD, what yep. he did last year. He took a massive run last year in the second half when DeMarcus went out. Is this just a run, or is he going to dominate I think the I, left boys? Is this going to be like LeBron was, James last year with the left boys? I was looking at it, though, because like AD is tied with the—or almost tied with the most that he had last year. He only had four. Harden has now surpassed all of his wet boys— from last year, mm-hmm. he only had it with three. Well, he's tied Our with MVP AD. last well, year. He, he had was three. <laughs> he was tied um, last year with. Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't matter because Giannis is probably still our with MVP. Well, it's, Joe, it's Harden versus Giannis. I'm about right to now. drop that one. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's Harden versus Giannis right now. But I mean, Giannis hasn't gotten a ton of wet boy love. Yeah, um, he's just trashing terrible teams in the <laughs> East. I mean, it's, it's, Giannis but, only got two last year too. Well, what I was saying yeah. is AD last year who mm-hmm. came in second mm-hmm. is at four. James mm-hmm. Harden's already at four. So yeah, that, that was the point I was making. Yeah, and I mean the other thing that I was looking at that is. Kind of surreal is last year we had a total of 44 players 
um, we get at least one wet boy odd. You say that we're already at twenty eight. Well, twenty seven because we had a team last year. We have a team this year, so nice. we're already at twenty seven. <laughs> If we continue the pace, I think that we could have more wet boys than we had last look, year. I love the show. I love giving like, out wet boys to like guys who don't get the praise nationally. But like what gave, James Harden is doing, you just have Michael Beasley at wet boy last year. I think that was you. I think that was Dave. Be easy. <laughs> I was looking at this Gerald Green, Vince Carter. I think I gave BC that one. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. I'm pretty sure I gave BC one. <laughs> Doreen Prince too. He was. Look, he was a monster for the Knicks who was shooting so efficiently. He yeah. came and he won them a game. Had oh, to give man. him. Had to give him props. I forgot Nick Collison was a wet boy <laughs> yeah, too last was. year. He retired. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun award. We have, we have 28 right now uh, compared to 45. So I think we're on pace. To I mean, have, that. have we had a doubled up week ever in what wet boy mean? history? Like two people giving wet boy to one person? No. See, I what don't do like mean? that. Like, uh, like you, you and him. Yeah, we'd both give it to like Harden for See, a week. No, I we can't. Like that. it's, okay. not, it's not allowed in the rules. If. If it were allowed, do you think James Harden would have warranted it in the last three weeks? Any of the three no, weeks? No, I, I think me personally, I wouldn't have done it because I like to spread the light. I, I think no, was, from from a deserving standpoint, well, forty three fucking points in a triple no, double. I see, but it's the thing where it's like I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. It was yeah. like it's not a full triple double because it was like nine point seven. Oh, okay, round you round up. So, fair enough. I mean, close enough. Cl- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think for us to ever think we need to double up it needs to what well, we did double up didn't we last year during the postseason postseason yeah, you two did field, though. i didn't yeah, I, I didn't think, agree with i it. think that's the thing is like it has to be historic in the postseason fair enough i think that's the only way because like right now the the field's too massive I and mean, we were talking about guys that should have gotten wet boys and you know true hardens out here dominating and uh, unless someone drops like you know 150 in a week like I think that's going to be the only way someone gets that. It's not too far off. Also, that. no, like a, a hundred points in a game and then and 50, fifty points in a game. Oh, it's only two games. Yeah, or like okay. and then like twenty-five. Like, it, like it's got to be something stupid. All right. Also, I All found right. it. Dave did give uh, B easy he the point. It. He had twenty-eight point three points per game. This is before you were rounding up on the sheets. Nice. Uh, twenty-eight point three. Season worst base. A eight point seven rebounds per game. One point three blocks. 57% from the field, 71 from three. He was on Damn. fire. <laughs> and you found that in the email? Or did you I found it? I went to the video. Oh, I okay. gave it to Kyle Kuzma. You gave it to DeMar DeRozan that week. Nice. DeRozan, DeRozan. triple-double. Yeah, and also uh, Kawhi getting booed and uh, yeah. getting called a traitor by San Antonio. So shout out to San Antonio fans. I know you like <laughs> to But he's not a snake. He's not a snake like KD. Yeah, Toronto mm. just giving up another historic night to another player. That's all they do. <laughs> Uh, and obviously the, the the most historic of that would be Kobe's 81. Uh, shout out Jalen Rose. Absolutely. Uh, but let's get into our fantasy update. Uh, boys, Rome is falling. We are down to 80 points in sixth place. Uh, I'm going to check and make sure that that's not all from today. It's not. Uh, we've only lost one point from today. Uh, we are have 80, 80 points. Uh, Chicago Pizza Makers at 83. Super Hippo at 86. So, damn, that's a huge rise for, uh, rise for Kyle. Uh, Team Grantham at 90.5. Big Ballers at 100. And Philadelphia 0 and 76 are still our boy Kyle Craig uh, sitting at 104.5. Um, we have fallen in field goals made. We are now sixth field goal percentage. We have dropped a ton. Uh, someone on our team became a chucker. Might be Justin Holiday. Um, that well, now he's going there. to the grease. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe his shot times will go down at least. <laughs> yeah, and maybe maybe he you know kind of gets that uh, field goal percentage up. But yeah, right now we, uh, we are let's see one two 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth place in field goal percentage. Still bottom third in uh, free throw percentage. Hey. That has not moved. Uh, so we're not tanking in that. Uh, no. We're not getting worse. Uh, three pointers made. We are fifth. Nice. Right? Yeah, fifth. Uh, three point percentage. We are one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. Rebounds, we are in second. Uh, assists, we are in third. Steals, we are in third. Uh, blocks, we are one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. And points, we are one, two, three, four, five, five, uh, sixth. So, not bad. I mean, we, we need to make a little bit of a push. Um, I know you guys probably did not check out the free agents. Um, totally didn't. <laughs> John Wall, obviously a free agent. He's injured. We're not picking him up. Uh, Batum's a free agent. He's been playing decently recently. Yeah. Uh, didn't mean to rhyme there. Um, <laughs> But he's been shooting efficiently. Eight. I mean, he's only been averaging like eight points. He doesn't, he doesn't put up a ton of points. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets some blocks and steals. There's no one really jumping out to me. I mean, do you think there's any place that we should attack? Mm-hmm. I mean, looking at the most added player in basketball leagues uh, in uh, ESPN, like the eighth person is Meta World Peace. So mm-hmm. really can't <laughs> trust anything from this yeah. site. Yeah. No, that that's fair. I don't. I don't honestly know that there is one, unless you think that like the Bulls are suddenly going to not sour on Jabari Parker. Also, yeah, I mean, what what did you say again? Is what we really need? What, uh, what would you? Field goal percentage is is. I mean, has dipped. Jabari's so. at forty five percent from the field, and he's making about six yeah, a great. game. I mean, is well, it I, better I than Justin we, Holiday though? Ooh, what is Justin? Justin doing? gets us the threes though. Yeah. And he also does steals and blocks, too. Yeah. Um, and I would like to see how he goes and plays on a defensive team because mm-hmm. maybe that even goes up a little bit more because he'll get more opportunities. And obviously he's playing with Conley, he's playing with Gasol, he's playing with Jaron Jackson. So um, seeing that might give him a little bit of a boost. Um, and steals, he's still been good. I mean, like uh, before he got traded uh, against Toronto, he had four steals. Against Washington, he had three steals. So I think the biggest thing with him is just uh, shooting. Um, I think field goal percentage, I think if we – go after that we'd probably have to look after bigs um just to kind of bump that up a little bit um the guy that i would probably look at um that's making a lot would mm-hmm. maybe be like rashawn holmes who's shooting 67 He's great on, energy off that bench yeah 3.1 uh shots a game i mean that might just bump us up a ton i don't really see any like massive field goals made with a great um percentage is there a reason why people are dropping batum because like I'm looking well, at he he doesn't put up a ton. Well, I'm just looking at like his field goal percentage is three like three point percentage forty but it, is but not it's terrible. not a good it's not a good volume. Like he's he's only mm-hmm. making like one or two a game. Okay. So like even though he's a fine percentage player, he's not getting a ton of minutes because mm-hmm. he's a bad basketball player. And like he's putting up like he's a he's a better fantasy player weirdly enough than he is an actual basketball player. Mm-hmm. Like the the Hornets do not trust him. They do not play him a ton. Uh so, like, then you look at, like, maybe Jeff Green, who's shooting 49% on four attempts, in, like, four, four made a game. Each one more, 5.4 and 48% from the field. But that's the only thing is, like, if we we probably need someone who can make a ton of shots yeah. and then also at a high percentage. So we're either looking at a guard who's driving to the rim, like, an each one more or, like, from the outside, uncontested because he's mm-hmm. got AD on his team, or just a big who's mainly around the net, like Rashawn Holmes. So yeah. I think Rashawn Holmes is one that interests me probably the most. I don't know that I'm. I kind of want to see what Justin does on the Grizz before we move on from him. Is that weird, me? Am I no, holding, I am I lingering too much on him? Mm-mm, I okay. agree with that. 
Because, I mean, he was really, really good. He hit a really hot streak. Yeah, and, and maybe that was just a hot streak. And but also, now, Otto Porter's been horrible. So, yeah. like, and we still have him on our team. Like, I'm more willing to get away from Otto Porter. But also, Otto Porter has been injured. He's only played two games back. So, I don't know. I worry See him without it. John Wall. Everybody, everybody eats, right? Yeah. That's the... Uh... And we're still hoping for DeMarcus to come back, too. Danny Green hasn't been good. I, I'd be fine moving away from Danny Green. Um, he has not been able to shoot the ball. So maybe just drop Danny Green and pick up like Rashawn Holmes or each one. That one could be interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. There we go. Works for me. That's our move. Uh, let us know if you have any ideas of what we should do for our fantasy uh, team. And if, if we should be picking up a different player, if we should be making some trades. Uh, we, we don't want to be in sixth. We want to get back up to the top four. It felt good to be close to the king. Uh, yeah. We got, we got pretty close to the sun. Yeah. I mean, well, we got up to like 88 points, which was close to third. I want to, I want to at least be third at some point this year. So if everyone wants to tank, that'd if, be cool too. If you ain't first, you're last. That's how I, that's how I look at it. If we should, we first, should do this. If you are, um, if you're not us and you mm-hmm. win the league, you don't get a first round, second round, or third round draft pick <laughs> next year. Yeah. So it's just, just tank, just tank. It's fine. Just tank, and you'll be great. But not us. So if we win the league, we still get But if we win the league, we get everything. We get actually every first-round pick. But let's move on into our Mock Draft 2.0. We're going to obviously start off 1 through 10, then go 11 through 20, and then go 21 through 30. We're going to start with Ricky, then go to Dave, and then go to me, uh, obviously giving our top 10 picks for all these teams. Uh, This is the draft standing, according to tankathon.com, as of January 4th. If it's not right at the time you're watching, we are sorry. Hopefully Mock Draft 3.0 is out. Ricky, start us off. Well, starting off at number one, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know we talked a bunch about them. They're going to go with Zion. They're going to just take Zion at number one. Then number two, the Suns. They're going to go John Morant guard from Murray State. Knicks at three going R.J. Barrett, the second Dookie, off the board. The Bulls, they get a gift then. They get Cam Reddish, the third Dookie, to fall right to them at number four. Number five, the Atlanta Hawks. They're going to go with Jarrett Culver, the guard from Texas Tech. Then the Wizards at six go Kevin Porter Jr., guard from Southern Cal. The Pelicans will go Kelton Johnson, guard forward from the Kentucky Wildcats. T-Wolves at eight, they're going to go DeAndre Hunter. Thibodeau getting the defensive guy at the two or the three from Virginia. Then the Magic at nine will go Rui Hachimura, the forward from the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And rounding out my top ten, Romeo Lankford, the guard from the Indiana Hoosiers to the Nets. I'm really proud of you that you pronounced that name right. Well, I mean, yeah, I thought about it. I had to really give the mental brain power for it. And we're not talking about one of the difficult ones. No, we're talking about Jarrett Culver. Well, because he was I, saying Culver. I got in a habit of saying Culver to where if I don't think about it, it just it's comes like out Gulliver like travels. that. It just comes <laughs> out like that unless I really focus. Like, no, you're saying it wrong. Congratulations, Ricky. Dave, give us your one through ten. Sure thing. With my number one overall pick, I've got the Cavs going Zion Williamson as a surprise to absolutely no one. But two, I've got the Suns going John Morant. At three, I've got the Knicks taking R.J. Barrett. At four, I've got the Bulls going Cam Reddish. At five, I've got the Hawks taking Kevin Porter Jr. At six, I've got the Wizards going to Sear Little. As a surprise to some who listened to me rant about the boy for like way too long last week. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, at seven, I've got the Pelicans going with DeAndre Hunter. Eight, I've got the Magic. This is the rule. I've just got to stop. This is the rule of the mock drafts is the Magic must always mock a point guard. It was the rule last year. They didn't listen. With Trion. We'll see. We'll see, though. But this year, I've got them going with Darius Garland. At number nine, I've got the Nets going Rui. 
And at 10, I've got the Jazz taking Keldon Johnson. You skipped the Pelicans. I totally yeah. did. Jared <laughs> so Culver. It, yeah, forgotten. Jared Culver and he's then everything you said after. You'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, also, on, he's, on, he's on the side <laughs> of the screen, some one or the other. Yeah. The one thing with the Magic, yeah. too, is we'll talk about this guy a little bit later because I feel like we talked about him. You talked about him a little bit in uh, 1.0, but he's gotten really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Casey Akpala yeah. of Stanford. Used to be a guard, and like you said, he grew 10 inches. Yep. That's a guy for the Magic because they're like, well, he used to be a point guard, so now we'll just force him to play point guard because <laughs> he's tall and long. Because he's 6'8". Yeah, that's Our boy Vagberg, I don't know if he still listens or not, uh, but if you want to follow him, at Magic Vagberg on Twitter, uh, he's, uh, I think he's uh, Norway? I think he's, mm-hmm. uh, what's, how do you say? Norwegian. Norwegian, Norwegian thank you. Uh, I think he's a Norwegian Magic fan. I, if I'm wrong about that, Vagberg, I apologize, but I think he's Norwegian. Uh, but he... Uh, Googled pa- campaign wingspan. It's like <laughs> six four seven uh, seven feet long. He's like, mm-hmm. well, well, he's magic now. We need a point guard. Uh, it made me laugh. Uh, anyways, let's get into uh, my top ten. Number one, the Cleveland Cavaliers taking Zion Williamson, which seems unfair. Two, the Phoenix Suns taking R.J. Barrett out of Duke. Uh, three, the New York Knicks taking John Morant out of Murray State. Four, the Chicago Bulls taking Cam Reddish out of Duke. Five, the Hawks taking Nasir Little out of UNC. Six, the Wizards taking Romeo Langford out of Indiana. Seven, the Pelicans taking Jarrett Culver out of Texas Tech. At eight, we have the T-Wolves taking the forward, uh, DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. Forgot how to do this for a second. Nine, the Magic taking a guard, Kevin Porter, out of USC. And at ten, the Nets taking Hachimura from Gonzaga. Gonzaga? Gonzaga? Gonzaga. Gonzaga? Gonzaga? Anyways, let's jump in. Make a little when we get that wrong. I know. So let's just jump in. I said it any possible. Yeah, I know. The Bulldogs. Uh, let's jump into uh, the first pick, though. The Cavs, we all have Zion Williamson going to the Cavs. Um, I said it's unfair because, again, it's just the Cavs getting another number one overall pick mm-hmm. and possibly getting another superstar. It feels like if this happens, uh, like the Colts getting Andrew Luck right after Peyton Manning left. Mm-hmm. No, it kind of is. And, like, I was thinking about this pick coming in, and it's like it's not fair to Zion because of, like, obviously being what he's doing, he deserves – some sort of praise, even if you think he might be overhyped. But like coming into this mock draft, I was like, really, if you want to hear what we thought about this and the Cavs, we talked about it like what last week, two weeks ago. Gave and like this is like it. this is like the only pick where it's like, yep, it's Zion. If you want to know anything else, we already There's talked no, about no it. No one in the world has anyone other than Zion as mm-hmm. a number one pick right now. And another, well, that's not true. They saw a couple that have RJ still. Well, they're wrong. Um, <laughs> but and also the thing too is like everyone has a take on Zion. And you've mm-hmm. heard everything about it. Like, yes, he cannot shoot. Yes, he's the most athletic player we've probably seen in college um, in a very long time, if not ever. He's a freak athlete, can play defense as a human highlight reel. Like, there's not much else. We will not know more about Zion until we see him play an NBA game. I want to ask you what I Unless asked... he starts magically going like 7 of 14 from 3. I, I hope wanna... he shoots. I want to <laughs> ask you what I asked Dave on the billboard because we talked the about billboard? The, the big board. The billboard top um, 40. Billboard. The big board for the NBA draft was... <laughs> Is Zion overhyped? Like, are we overhyping Zion at this point? I think in ways, yes, because he's, like, extremely fun, and then you get media saturation where people get sick of him. Um, I think that is definitely, um, you know, that happens with most superstars, and I Mm -hmm. think already he is a superstar, at least in the college basketball world. Um, So I think he's maybe not over. I feel like when I say overhyped, people might think he's overrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're overrating his athletic ability. I don't think we're overrating him as a basketball prospect. But I think some people might say, oh, he's the next Le- LeBron James, and then take it at he has as much basketball skill as LeBron James, mm-hmm. which is nowhere near true, even you know, as comparing them as coming into the NBA. 
LeBron James was a much more skilled basketball player than Zion Williamson might ever be. Like, LeBron was a next-level gifted athlete and basketball player. That's the yeah. reason why he is, you know, in arguments for the greatest player of all time. I do not think Zion's ever going to get to that level. However, he does have as mo- you know as much athleticism, most likely, as young LeBron did. So that comparison is fair. Now he's got to be able to take that and turn it to basketball skills. And there are the frameworks of that, and that's why he's going number one. It's not just because of that athleticism. We talked a little bit uh, before that he's very similar to Hamadou Diallo, but if he was just a bowling ball, um, yeah. and six seven on steroids. Um, but he has more basketball prowess and basketball skills than uh, Hamadou Diallo did. I yeah. mean, he has the ability to dribble. He has the ability to uh, pass the ball. He has the ability to drive. He obviously has a ton of strength and draw contact. He's not the worst free throw shooter in the world. He doesn't have a shot from the outside, but I don't think that's too damaging. And mm-hmm. also, he's a pretty good defender. Like He has good positioning down low. He has good positioning in the perimeter. Obviously, he can time blocks very well. He can steal the ball. He can lead the fast break. He's got much more basketball sense than a Hamadou Diallo ever has. Yep. Um, so I think everyone's going to get annoyed with him. I think people are going to be oversaturated by him. Um, obviously, people have seen, like, you know, it's North Carolina versus Harvard, but let's pull in the sidebar of the top three <laughs> Duke freshmen. Like, people are going to get annoyed with Zion, but I don't think that means we're overselling him. He's going to be a project. He's going mm-hmm. to be someone who doesn't step in right away. But That's he exactly does what have I was going to ask you. He does have the ability to be a freak. Do you think that his rookie year, and I know we're going a little off, but, like, mm-hmm. do you think his rookie year when he comes in that the – expectation for him to put up like 15 7 and I think it's 2 more than that you think it's higher than that yeah definitely that's... more than two assists okay th- and definitely more than seven rebounds okay i think immediately people are going to expect him to be a double double machine which i think is honestly possible i yeah. think him getting 10 10 in like five a game is definitely possible oh, okay um, but i don't think he's going to score do you see the stat line closer to like what draymond had done in previous years um, like when he had more usage maybe like i i just don't know if he goes to Cleveland, especially, yeah, that's why I'm mocking because you have Kevin Love score. out there potentially still, and he's a very good rebounder. Yeah, but now there's talks that he might leave, like he uh, might get traded. True, true, um, true. Because his his trade exception or whatever his trade deadline uh, since he signed that uh, extension is coming up January 15th, and teams are you know, curing, you know, curious about you know if he if he's available, do they trade him? I think the Jazz are a team that could be interesting, especially with favors contract they can oh, yeah. possibly make money work and then mm-hmm. bringing Caleb to stretch out that floor give more space to disgusting. Don Mitch yeah I think that's that's a team that people are thinking you know possibly the Cavs unloading that if they don't have a Kevin Love I just don't understand how he scores because then you have a <laughs> guard say, Colin yeah. Sexton who's not a facilitator yep. and offensively outside of that Zion's most likely going to need to be the facilitator so then maybe we see more spikes in you know his assists but I don't understand outside of him taking the ball yeah. off the bounce and dribbling in and attacking the basket exactly. how he's going to score but then again, is his body going to be able to hold up doing that 82 games in a rookie season? And obviously he's got the strength, but you know one bad landing could just totally ruin that. So I don't know what he's going to be like as a scorer coming into the NBA, and he might have games where he puts up like 30 points a game because he's just do you think you know, that do you think that something. is he, realistic? Like he can have 30 point games his first year because I don't know I that don't, his scoring cap is that high. Is I, like, I don't, don't want to put a cap on anybody, but like that's the thing is I don't want to put a cap on okay. him especially yeah. because mm-hmm. I, I you people doubted him from high school to college, and obviously yeah. he's proving everyone wrong. So he can make that jump in, in, to the NBA. I just worry about like what he's going to be like his rookie year. Yep. Because at his top, I think he can be a twenty-point game scorer, and I oh, think he can yeah. be a you know a, a twelve-rebound guy uh, a night, and a, a five-assist guy a night. I think he can be that yeah. um, at his top. But what is his top? How soon will he reach his top? And you know, 
can he step in right away and do that? I don't think he's going to have a Luka-type rookie season, um, but I think he's going to have a pretty decent rookie season just because of his athleticism alone. Nice. Um, I think that's going to make his transition to the NBA easier because mm-hmm. he does have basketball skills. Well, and I know this gets a little bit away from it, but like you mentioned the Jazz. The other interesting thing is, let's say the Cavs do move Love to the Jazz, would this year's first rounder be in that? And if, let's say it is, mm. K-Love helps them win a couple games, they could even be in it, them being the Cavs, could be in the territory of Zion number one, take a point guard later on because, like, they are at Late 11 teens. now. If oh. they go into the mid-teens, okay. that could be Darius Garland um, area <laughs> could, to could where, luck. I mean, they could yeah, take but, him. They could take a Trey Jones. you just took they a get point better. guard in Collins. No, I'm just so saying, I don't like, know how I'm that saying would work. if the people are like, because if you're sold on Sexton, if you're not, even with Sexton there, he could totally put 30 points up because, I mean, DeAndre Ayton did it, and he's got Devin Booker on his team. So, I mean, there's— yeah, but he, Booker, he, well, Booker averages seven a game. Yeah, like, I'm not I, saying, I, I, he's, I'm not saying he's a number one. For sure, like, average 30 a game, but he could get a 30-point game in the NBA that's, at some point. That's what I'm thinking. It's just, like, his athleticism. Mm-hmm. He's playing, like, a slow, like, Grizzlies team. He can attack the bucket yeah. and, like, you know, attack. I think I think he has Put him in ability. that uh, whole—basically, you need to just take the playbook from the Lakers— and move it to the Cavs. That's <laughs> what they want to do anyway. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just reminisce of the LeBron James no. days. And there's like, we'll just fast break. Don't care. We'll get the ball. And he's just going to run up the court. And no one's going to get in front of him. And the other thing, too, just quickly on that eight and thing about getting 30 points. He also has Igor as a coach oh who's an uh, offensive-minded coach. And when I said Devin Booker's uh, a one, I meant mm-hmm. as in, like, Devin Booker's not a yeah. one. As in the, the position spot. And I mean, um, that, he's, he's not a, a traditional point guard. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not really sold on his facilitating as a point guard role. I think he's a good passer. I think he can run offense at times, but I don't think he's a true point guard. Um, that's what I meant is that I think he'd be a number one option on right. a team, though. I don't want people but to like, mess that up. Aiton is so much more gifted offensively than yeah. he is. That, that's, well, I he's don't wanna, also got, what, yeah. five inches on him? Yeah. Six mm-hmm. inches on Six him? Six inches at least. Um, and also, I mean, he's got. Uh, way better post moves. He's got yep. and he's got a better wingspan. outside shot. Yeah, he's got a better like outside he's shot. He's literally just a better shooter all around. So yeah, I mean, and also one thing too is you know when you're using him in a pick and roll, it's it's different because right. then you know you have a five on him and not a three mm-hmm. um, or a four because they're not going to be putting guys like you know DeAndre Ayton size on Zion Williamson. They're going to be putting guys uh, you know wing players who match up with them speed wise, yeah. and then maybe he can bully you know weaker threes, but. Again, it we'll have to wait and see. That's mm-hmm. what I, I said. We don't have much yeah. to talk about. Zion Wilson. Here Eight we go later, talking about. Later, yeah. oh, we're at fifteen. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so you know, at this point, like we just need to see what he's able to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in we have to see what he's able. To do. We have to wait and see what he's able to do in the NBA. And again, unless something drastically changes, like he's able to hit you know multiple three point shots and it looks decent, then we won't really have much to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, or maybe I'll be wrong. Uh, but let's move into the Suns. Obviously, we just talked about Booker and Aiton. Uh, I have them going R.J. Barrett. Ricky and Dave have them going John Morant. Uh, I think I understand your guys' uh, you know, ideas because they need a point guard. Am I yeah. anything outside of that? Or well, just, do you guys actually believe he's the second best player? No, I don't believe he's the second best. And this is contradicting my big board a little bit because I still had the three Dukies at the top. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I will say is there are only, in my mind— Two teams that, if they get the second pick, would definitely take John Morant over um, either RJ and Cam, and that is Phoenix and New York. Because they, to me, I know that a lot of people are going to say, well, Ricky, it's top five, take the BPA player. No, they need a point guard. Those two teams need a point guard. 
And like the Suns, I look at them and to where it's like, I think about the Celtics where it's like, hey, they got Jalen Brown. They get Jason Tatum. It's just wing players on top of wing players. I don't think that's going to work for the Suns. Yeah, you have Devin Booker adding another wing player like an R.J. Barrett, who's an athletic ball dominant guy. I don't think that would be the best move. Go and get your point guard that you can put next to Devin Booker. And if you're worried about John Morant not being an assist guy, doesn't matter. You just mentioned it. Devin Booker does get assists, so that could work well, with the John but Morant. Also, he's getting assists because he doesn't have a traditional point guard. Yeah, and so I mean, he's forced into change. it. So, I mean, but he has the skill to where I feel like for the Suns especially, need here at number two fits a little bit better because John Morant, would it be bad if he did go number two? No, but I don't think he's the second best player in the league or in the draft class. Real quick, I if I don't know if this is picking up on, for the, on, for on the audio, audio listeners. Is it, do you guys hear I don't your headphones? Know. Okay. I heard it a little bit when well, you moved the receipts out. If you're if you're on YouTube, you could see I'm messing with my wallet because all my dollar bills were sticking out, and I have OCD, and it was really bugging the shit out of me. So I, I thought, needed to fix it. I thought it. you were getting place right? of I'm that. Very like, sorry. Throwing the money on oh, the table that John Moran's no, not going to be number I'm two. I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> um, I don't care if he goes number two because again, like Dave said, like he does think he's the second best I, player. I do, yeah, hundred um, I mean, percent. So far, he's been performing well. And so people mm-hmm. say, "Oh, Murray State." Yes, but also like. Where did Jerry Rice go to college? Where did mm-hmm. Randy Moss go to college? Where did uh, Walter Payton go to college? But guys, like, the, la- the last Murray State point guard Jesus, that was really... If you comment that again, I will ban you from our comment section. I don't even have our login account. He doesn't account. have that power. I don't have the he login password. They don't trust power. me. But I will ban you no, from our comment section. The thing with the thing with that, though, is, that, though, is like, Campaign and Ja are different players. And Dave, why don't you at least explain <laughs> your side of why they are different players and why people. you do believe? I will attack people all I want. Right and why that is do, why I'm here. And why you do believe Ja Morant is the second best player in the draft right now? Ja Morant is easily one of the most talented people we've seen in college basketball. The big knock on him is obviously early in the season it was his turnovers and his strength of schedule. He can't cho- he can't change his strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. There's nothing he can do about that. But what he can do is improve his style of play and be more conscious of his ball control because part of the problem with Ja is he was forcing a lot of plays early in the season because I think he bought into his own hype a little bit. He popped off really hard really early, and it was just like, okay, I'm feeling myself. You watch him play. He has a ton of confidence when he plays, and honestly, none of it looks really bad on uh, on film. Mm-hmm. When you're watching on mm-hmm. film, it's all within the flow of the game. He's not making the wrong decision too often, when you look at the stat sheet, you see seven turnovers, eight turnovers, nine, you know. Ten turnovers ten. against it was, Alabama. It was actually a ten and a seven. Yeah. Uh, outside of those two, if you take those two out, he's he's putting up, what, two, four, four, three, four, five, four. Mm-hmm. Like, those are fine. Because guess what? His assist numbers, 13, 13, 7, 10, 14, 13. Like, can we just, mm-hmm. the man has great passing ability. Like, he's a great facilitator. He is a dominant scorer. He can get into the paint easily. And he knows how to distribute from those drives. He can drive Plus, and kick with the best of them. He can go off the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Like there, his offensive game looks clean. The biggest problem people see now is his three point shooting is mm-hmm. inconsistent. And I would say to that, his free throw well, shooting, I mean, his well, shot positioning looks real, solid, motion wise. Real quick too, I just want to jump yeah. in. Like you're you're talking about what he's doing as a player, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and you're talking about the turnovers, and the turnovers are a little bit worrisome. Um, but also one thing that you have to throw out there is yeah. like, all right, who else has done something like this? Who else has gone out 
and done something to the level of John Morant and what he's doing. The turnovers are worrisome, but he also has 9.9 assists to 4.8 turnovers a game. That's a very good assist-to-turnover ratio. That is almost two, which is a good uh, assist-to-turnover ratio. Especially that volume. Yeah, and here's the thing. From since 1992 to 1993, that's as far as uh, sports reference college basketball goes, to now, 2018, 2019, there is one player that has ever averaged 20 points a game, eight assists a game, and five rebounds per game. Who that guy? That's John Morant. And he's averaging 22 a game. He's averaging nine a game. And he's averaging six a game. So I even lowered the bar to help this kid out to see if mm-hmm. anyone else has done that. And no one has. Not in the you know Power 5 Conference. Not in a Murray State. Not not even, you know, no D1 player has ever done this. Right. So that's, that, that's the point. It's like he is doing something spectacular. And he's not just doing it because he's going up against shit conference. He's doing it against Auburn. He's doing it against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing this against SEC well, teams as well. And I also feel like, look at who the Suns have as their coach and Coach Igor. A, I know that Devin Booker and Ja are not the exact positions as Ricky Rubio and Don Mitch, but it could be almost a similar thing. as like the Don Mitch who came out, yeah, he shot a little bit better from three than Ja is, about, what, 35 to 31. Mm-hmm. Um, but ballpark, they're the same. They're not strong three-point shooters. And actually, you look at John, his assist numbers are way higher than Donovan Mitchell's was, but they could both get to the basket and score points. And then you can look on the other side. Of course, Devin Booker puts up more points than Ricky Rubio, but those two can work the same as Igor had in Rubio and Don Mitch to where it could work out. And then on top of it, Mikhail Bridges, if he develops, becomes that 3 and D player you want. You have DeAndre Ayton down low. I feel like the like it's just the point guard. That's yeah. the missing piece. Go and take it at number two if it's there. You absolutely have to pull the trigger. And I, I would agree with you, Ricky. I think that what the Suns can do with their potential lineup, if they mm-hmm. end up with John Morant and that young wing depth, and obviously DeAndre Ayton at the five, like they're a dangerous team at that point. Because what we've seen so far is like, Devin Booker is just absolutely fucking stellar. Aiton mm-hmm. has great games. His defenses lapses have gotten less and less as the season goes on, which is a great sign for everybody who, you know, was concerned about that going into this year. Uh, don't write that off. I'm not, no, it's not I mean, done. Yeah, I mean, like... He was horrible. Now he's less horrible. But he can also go back to horrible. Oh, he can, he can, he can continue to improve. He can continue to get back. That's we'll a fair... We'll have to watch that. Fair, fair. I don't want to get too, people too overhyped on him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm still concerned. Like, we, the, we can't see James Harden, what he's doing right now, being like, oh, he's going to average 40 for the rest of the season. He's the MVP. Like, we don't know. I'm going to say that. Right now, but it's also yeah. January. Yep. So, point being, their team loaded with potential. I think Igor mm-hmm. has a whole lot more to work with on this upcoming team than he did previously in Utah. Yeah. I think the skill sets and the uh, young talent here, mm. super easy, super moldable. Like, he can build whatever he wants with this group well, because they are the modern NBA. And a thing, too, with, you know, that comparison of the skill set and players he had with um, Utah, yeah. like, there's a reason why Quinn Snyder was so high in the past rankings of our coach. I think he was top five. Yeah. Is because we look at that team, and, you know, Gar- Gobert is a phenomenally talented defensive player. Absolutely. Donovan Mitch was, you know, Donovan Mitchell was extremely impressive as a rookie. Ricky Rubio is a, a solid veteran point guard. He got better. Um, yeah, he got, he got, he he got better year. under the coaching. Like, we, we have seen 
what you know those players were able to do. They took rises up. We didn't expect Donovan Mitchell to be this good. We didn't <laughs> expect Rudy Gobert to be this consistent. Like yeah, the, his, what he's done we knew with his, his defensive game was, was great, and then offensively he's gotten mm-hmm. better. And it's just you're right, Quinn Snyder credit to him. Well, but like at this point, you gotta be like. So about that other guy who was just still out, <laughs> and now he's got like legit talent. So yeah. that's that's that that's the thing with, with with the point you're making. I 100% agree. Yeah. Um. So Ja, I think is a questionable thing. The thing that I would say with mm-hmm. RJ, what, what, I ahead. was just gonna say the last thing I'm gonna throw out about the Suns is the probably worst thing, and I know this is gonna sound like, wait, did he just say what I think he said? Mm-hmm. The worst thing that could happen to the Suns is getting the number one pick. Because they're forced in the They would have to take Zion. I disagree with that. They would have to take... Like, Zion's going to be a great player, going to be, I think, a great player. Do you think fit could ruin his potential? Uh, Maybe. I don't know how he'd sit behind Aiton. Being number two would be the best for the Suns, because then they could just, you know, we'll take John Moran, Mm. and they're not forced into a pick like they'd be at number one. Disagree. Just give me the best player, and that's Mm -hmm. Zion. Like, I... I, And he's not sitting behind Aiton. Like, he's still... Well, no, like, how are they going to play together? I'm not completely sure how they're going to play. But then you you turn him into the, like, Mm -hmm. again, like, the uh, big man who can pass, and that just... You know, helps that offense flow even more. I just like, want to be Draymond Green on steroids. Is that too much to ask? Well, for? and that's that's something that too. Like Igor's offense is huge on passing. Zion yeah. is a good passer. Exactly, it's going to lead to open lanes. Like I think, him, you know, Aiton's a decent passer as well. Like is, that's yeah. just going to help the offensive flow. Yes, he's not going to be able to take outside shots, but you also have one of the best three point shooters, or at least best shooters, in Devin Booker. And you can always surround them with shooting. T.J. Warren's becoming a better shooter. Um, Josh Jackson obviously hasn't. But even Okobo has shown a stroke before, and maybe yeah. he'll be able to mold that even even more. And you can also just go out and get shooting. Like there's there's the ability to add talent because Phoenix doesn't have a massive cap. Um, uh, you know, obviously Ryan they, Anderson's eating up a little bit right yeah. now, but you can always find ways to add talent around there. You can never find a general generational player. Mm-hmm. And if we're thinking Zion is that player, you do not pass that up. I think the worst case scenario is the Suns get sunsed and they get dropped down to like four, five, and six range, mm-hmm. and they miss out because we, mm-hmm. we talk about how top heavy this talent is in this yeah. draft. And it's not to say that the guys below them aren't that good. It's just we don't see the same level of upper upper end potential, the upper echelon of like this has potential to be a breakout star in the league. Well, and I think something too is that I think there's one, one or two players that people are for sure like these guys are not going to bust or have like right. very High low floor. levels of bust. And that would be Zion and RJ. Um, and even then, like, you look at DeAndre Hunter, he has a low oh, yeah. flow, floor, but how high is his ceiling, uh, truly? And that's, you know, kind high of going floor. back. What did I say? You said low floor. Yeah, high floor. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's guys with there's guys that most likely yeah. with perceived high floors. Yeah, when, when you're RJ, mocking top 10 picks to be, you know, DeAndre role Hunter. players on a team, you yeah. know, you're a, start, you're a quality starter, but you're in that, like, Boyan, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is a top 10 player this year. I can't, I can't say <laughs> that anymore. But... Uh, you know what I'm. That's exactly what I'm concerned with in this draft. So I'm like, if they if they got sunsed and they got knocked down to five six, that would suck. Yeah. I, I would go for pick me the freaking moon at that point. Go potential. Well, and that's the thing too is like then you get into the Jared Culver region, you get in the Kevin Porter region, you get into the uh, you know Romeo Langford. Uh, you know then do you right, start thinking about Nasir Little or Bo Bowl? Like there's a lot of you know there's a lot of twos. things that can question. Yeah. There's a lot of twos this year. Well then Darius Garland, how much do you you know how think good he'll is fit? he gonna look? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, no, I think the wor- I think it, it would be worse if they fell yeah. back than fall forward because then you have a shot at general re- generational talent. Yeah. Like yeah. if you go back to the Portland Trailblazers and be like, "Hey, this Michael Jordan kid might not fix with Clyde Drexler, but Sam <laughs> Bowie will." You're going Michael Jordan. True. So, and I'm not saying that Zion's going to be Michael Jordan, but mm-hmm. that's the idea of you know, like same with the Cavs. Like, oh hey, there's LeBron James. 
You could take a shot at Darko, though. Darko's a better fit. Come on, you're going with LeBron James. I mean, I think Darko got a ring before LeBron. I think we're getting to that level of... <laughs> yeah. The fit does not matter. Zion is the pick. Yep. Um, I, I'm just going RJ, though, for the Suns, because I think that he might kill ball handling at some point. He might not look for the pass to his teammates. I think that's something that isn't extremely you know positive for him. Um, but I think one thing with him, and maybe I don't fully know this, this is me fully speculating... I think there is something to him that he does want to prove that he is the best. And when you are on possibly the best freshman team, freshman class ever yeah. um, in college basketball history, you want to prove that you are the best. So why would I want to pass it to Zion if that's going to be more you know, time for Zion on SportsCenter? Why would I pass it to Cam if that's going to mean more time on Cam and Zion and less time on me? I think a big thing about him is being the alpha. Um, and that might not most mesh well with uh, DeAndre Ayton and, and Devin Booker. Um, but I think at least talent-wise... I think he's trying to prove something right now, and I think that you know that could possibly be cleaned up. And talent-wise, I think he is the second most talented player in this draft, mm-hmm. and I don't think you pass that up because Ja has been spectacular. And I'm not writing off Ja being the second pick at all, but also you look at that team and they can use a three. Like T.J. Warren's already locked up, extended. You can keep him as your six man. Um, you look at their their wings as well. Josh Jackson hasn't panned out extremely well, and R.J. Barrett looks like the next great to good wing in the NBA, and those are so valuable um, where you could see teams, and if Devin Booker continues to this growth, maybe Igor does see him moving to you know a number one, typical uh, number one spot. Mm-hmm. I could see that happening, and also RJ is a good passer. So you're thinking, when he shows his ability to pass, he can pass extremely well. So their starting so. lineup would be, just to clarify for everybody, their starting lineup, if they um, go RJ, would be... I think go wing at heaven, the top, I, go wing heaven. I would I would say Devin Booker, yep, McHale. Uh, once they all yeah. pan out, I'm not saying yeah, McHale yeah. yet. Uh, Devin Booker, McHale, RJ. Um, I mean, it's it's either Warren Jackson or TBD. Yeah, they might not have that guy on the roster yet. Yeah, so then I'd probably because yeah, Ubre. If if you know, depending but then on they have contract. Yeah, they have to resign him. Yeah. I don't That's know. I think you, you just leave power forward open right now, um, and then because I don't think you put Josh Jackson there. Mm-hmm. Um, so then just eight and at the the five. I, I mean, mean, right it, now this it's an intriguing whole, lineup. But... It's an intriguing lineup, but yeah, it it, it kind of falls on to the like how well can uh, Devin Booker lead the team as a one guard in mm-hmm. your system, and you know we'll see. But well, and... uh, I agree though. Like RJ has incredible talent, and he is he does seem to give off that alpha vibe. I know all three of these guys are really close mm-hmm. and really friendly with each other, and that's how, like, it's an awesome story to get the behind-the-scenes from them at mm-hmm. Duke. But at the same time, like, I do get that definite vibe from him. And you could be competitive and also be buddies. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's true. I mean, that's that doesn't mean automatically, like, if you're out looking for yourself, you can't be friends with anybody. Right. Um, and you can't be... You don't, you know, you you don't have to hate your teammates like, you know, Kobe did and, like, Jordan did. Yeah. Like, that that's the old-school mm-hmm. NBA vibe. That's no longer a thing. Well, I mean, look at us. We all want to be right, but we're still all friends, right? I mean, mm. but we all know that we're <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I like what you said, though, about the like whole thing with RJ. And that's why, for me, the best fit for him is New York, not Phoenix. And it's because... You want to be the guy, you're going to go to a team that's, you're going to get the spotlight in New York. It is the Mecca. They don't call mm-hmm. it the Mecca for no reason. And being the guy in New York, being the guy to bring them back, like Zion will have to fight 
for like he's not gonna have to fight for the spotlight because he's Zion, but he's gonna be in Cleveland, where Cleveland is Cleveland, and it's not the same as New York, where it's like New York when they're good, the number one on that team is like almost like a god when it comes to like they popularity weren't even that and good stuff. when Jeremy Lin was like worldwide famous no, 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 for two I'm weeks. I'm talking about like even like. Not just Jeremy. When, Lin. I'm talking about like the like 1980s. I'm talking about like when the well, 90s, when New York uh, was bad. Playoff runs with Melo. So they did. They didn't I mean, they had, did they anyone think Mello was the king of New York? Though, really? No, yeah, they always question that. Yeah. But I, mean, I think like, they even question. Like they probably even questioned Ewing. I wasn't mm-hmm. around then, but they probably fucking questioned him. <laughs> but like for me, that's the best fit because like even with the lineup, like point guard, do whatever you want. If you want a Moutier there, if you want um, Frank develop, like probably Moutier at the one. Hardaway's got the contract. He'll be at the two. I put RJ at the three, move Kevin Knox to the four, and then put KP at the five. Well, he's been playing most that, of the four. And that's my starting lineup. And but because can you really roll KP at the five all the time? It wouldn't be all the time, but I could start him at the five. Well, you can re-sign Cantor on maybe no a... No, I mean, if you can get him for less money, you can bring Cantor back. If not, you've got Mitch Robb that you Mitch developed Rob was, la- or that you drafted last year. Yeah, well... Mitchell Robinson will need more time before yeah. he's playing, you know, 30 minutes a night. Like, that's mm-hmm. my concern. Well, and I'm not saying play him 30 a night, but, like, KP, I'll start him at the five, and then we can move his minutes to the and four. I just don't like having him bang forth. down low at 7-3. Well, if he's ideally healthy, too. Like, if he's ideally healthy, yeah. he's most likely mm-hmm. going to get more minutes than Kevin Knox. Yeah. Um, like, he's going to most likely play, like, 30 minutes to 33 minutes a game. Right. Um, and then you can just, when Knox isn't on the floor, Slide him over. This is always just a start. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and this is always just, when we do starting lineups, is what is your best lineup? What What's the lineup you could put the most talent without giving up too much positional uh, integrity? Fair enough. So, and also going back to the uh, the Suns thing, maybe you move Aiton back to the four and put Holmes at the five. Um, or, I mean, they have been putting Warren out there with Bridges. Yeah. So, um, I think the one thing, though, is just maybe then you just go to Anthony Melton, Devin Booker, R.J. Barrett, and then Warren or Bridges, and then Aiton. Yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but they, that's one thing that I do like about the Suns is the depth of that team. Yeah, they got a lot of young year. options that they're going to figure out in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And they got Melton, they got Okobo too. So, yeah. like, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's some options that they have well, that might not be the greatest. You gotta love the fact but... that like Deontay Melton, the second rounder, is like we're all incredibly high on him. God, we were spoiled last year. Yeah, like God. But I mean, we might end up developing guys like that. I mean, there was guys that I was putting like. In 21 through 30 that I was more in love with than guys that I put, like, 11. Like, yeah. there, there's a lot of guys, like, KZ. I'm falling in love with KZ. I mm-hmm. want to put that motherfucker in my top 10. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk about him. Uh, let's just go on now into the third pick. Uh, we'll go to the Knicks. I have John Morant. Ricky, you have R.J. Barrett. Uh, Dave, you have R.J. Barrett. You already talked about mm-hmm. R.J. and how he fits. Um, my idea is just, again, you're not sure about the point guard position, right? We're well, not sure if it's going to be like, Moutier. You're not going to be sure if it's going to be Frank. Well, and RJ can be that ball handler at the three. Like, you don't need that, like, yeah, you can have Moutier out there, but he can be a point RJ forward. is the one that runs the offense from the three and just move KP and Kevin Knox over from three to four and four to five. My idea, too, is if you're going to go for big moves in free agency, the Knicks, John Morant could be your point guard. Mm-hmm. Most likely, the big names in free agency are wings. They're Kevin Durant. They're Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. If he opts out, Kawhi Leonard. Um, so you're just trying to find spaces to fill. Tim Hardaway could always move over, like you said. Knox at the four, uh, at, at the at the five, you could put KP or obviously KP at the the, the four, whatever you want to do, um, and always sign a free agent uh, uh, five because they do have a lot of movement. I just do think John Morant is very takeable at three. I mean, he has shown so many you know 
different levels to his mm-hmm. skill. He has yeah. that outside shot. He has the ability to drive. Um, I don't love his ability to fight off contact entirely yet, but mm-hmm. I think you know with NBA training, he can bulk up a little bit, but, and For he sure. can get stronger when driving to the rim. Uh, and again, I think the assist numbers when you're passing to NBA level talent, uh, hopefully, um, you know, uh, we don't know if Frank yeah. is NBA talent <laughs> level yet, uh, or you know, some of the guys on this roster. But you know, when you're passing out to guys like KP, yeah. it's going to be easier to trust those guys. It's going to be easier, you know, to hit them when they're open. And you know, maybe if you're passing to a guy who is a former All Star, it's going to be easier to put your you know trust into tight windows. And maybe you know you don't have to tr- trust. Trust tight windows a little bit more because yeah. your best player, you know, you have him covered. You could always just dish it out to Knox or something like that yeah. if he's a little bit more wide open. So I think the talent level also uh, determines a little bit of the decision making that you're you're going through. So I do trust John Morant uh, when it comes to the next level. And again, I think he has proven that he can do this consistently. And I think one thing that the Knicks do need is some consistency because you took Kevin Knox and Kevin Knox, you know, while he has had some phenomenal games. Has not been super consistent. Neither is have his minutes, so I won't be too bashing of Kevin Knox here. Uh, but same with Frank. Like Frank hasn't been consistent. He'll have games where he, you know he scores twenty points and then he'll be quiet for the next seven. Um, and KP hasn't been consistently healthy. I think one thing that Ja has shown is that he can be consistently uh, out there and consistently producing. So uh, I, I think that Ja would be a really nice fit for the Knicks. Um, but you did go RJ. That's mostly likely because your guy Ja's already gone. Ja's yeah. gone. I agree. Like if if given the opportunity, like absolutely the Knicks should take a point guard. Like mm-hmm. I think Moutier is doing a great job growing this year, but I don't think he's going to be a starting point guard in the NBA like long term for any team. So I look to move him back up, and then, yeah, I would Ja would have a field day with that team. Like that'd be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It'd but, be f- fun to watch him too. But I think RJ, because he's best player available after that, I easily see him fading in there. He's he's the heir to the throne. Kicked him Hardaway Jr. out of town at some point. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, I've got feelings on him. Well, and I want to pose this question just for the Knicks really quick. Mm-hmm. Let's say they do get like a big free agent. Let's say Kevin Durant's like I want to mm-hmm. come. And play for New York. Wow. What are the odds the Knicks then, because the draft happens before they'd be able to make any type of trade um, in the new league year, they go ahead and say, we're going to draft a guy like RJ Barrett because we're planning on, like, odds are high that Durant could come. No, I'm not saying trade RJ. I don't know if it's going to I'm saying trade. A make a draft or a trade after the league year involving Tim Hardaway Jr. that would send him and future picks to the Wizards to bring John Wall in. Well, and then there's I mean, your point, and then Cap there could be your is, point guard. Cap becomes an issue just because I mean John Wall's gonna be making upwards of forty mil mm-hmm. when he hits that next contract. So you're gonna be playing most likely a max to the free agent that you sign if it is mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. Then you're going to have to be paying a ton to it's John a max. Wall. It's a John Wall Max contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then you're going to have to yeah, be looking at not so KP. KP as well, and he's a restricted free agent this year. Um, it's difficult. So I, I, I can't I, see them. I don't see that happening either. Um, I think if you sign a big free agent, then you also have to worry about Kevin Knox. Then you might not have mon- enough mm-hmm. money for Kevin Knox. Um, and then you do have the bird rights on it, but then you have to go way over the oh, larger yeah, tax. Be. And then there's the hard cap. Do you cap. see Dolan? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a, a possibility. Um, I don't think there's a reason to go out and you can you know sign somebody else for True. less money. And again, like, like yes, you might Ru- not get the, if a Rubio hits for you, yeah, you, can you, see mo- a you might not get the the talent level of a John Wall, but mm-hmm. you're definitely not going to be paying some Four, forty-seven million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really necessarily agree with that yeah um but here i think is where most people would say the talent drops and some people wouldn't uh but the bulls uh we all have them going cam reddish um 
Do you think this is where the talent drops, or do you think it's the next pick? It's after this. Like I, I don't think Cam Reddish is like saying that the talent drops here is saying that Cam Reddish isn't good or is bad. That's how I see it in my mind. And as a Bulls fan, I would actually like having Cam Reddish on my team. I like what he's doing at Duke. I feel like people overlook him because of RJ, because of Zion. Like if he was a one on a different team, we wouldn't be overlooking Cam Reddish. Kind of like we are now because he's but the third player on a Duke how, team. What are you, how are you saying that? Because yes, he's the third player on the team, but that's mm-hmm. all we've seen is him being the third player. So how do you know? Like, what have you seen from his game that you can be taking Cam Reddish off him, put him on like let's say a, mm-hmm. a Texas Tech, and he would thrive? Like, what are you seeing in his game that makes him thrive with, outside of Duke? With me, when I watched, of course, for the ball handling, a lot of it you got to go to the high school tape. He can handle the ball. He can be a guy that could be, like, the number one ball handler, but he doesn't have to be. And that's why for the Bulls, I'm actually kind of sitting back and thinking, out of the Dukies, the two that I want, I either want Zion or I either want Cam Reddish. I want, like, RJ is my third because we've got Zach who's ball dominant. We've got KD at the one. We already have, like, Markinen who's our four, Wendell who's our five. We really need to lock down that three for me. And Cam Reddish could be a guy that plays off the ball next to Zach Levine and doesn't have to have the ball, can shoot from the outside, can get passes from Zach or from KD and fit nicely with what the Bulls are trying to do offensively. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's everybody wants a 3 and D wing, right? Like, he's got the body of an NBA player right now. Mm-hmm. All he needs to do is continue conditioning. His shot stroke is nice. The fact that the numbers aren't overly impressive is a little concerning to some people and that's fair because i think we all expect him to shoot over 40 percent with you know with what he had done in high school to kind of lead into it but i'm honestly just thinking that at the end of the day due to his body due to his wingspan and makeup like everything physically tells me he's got potential he's got so much more potential than we're seeing out of him right now at duke so i think that he is deservedly in the top four for talent and that is where the drop-off happens like kind of like you know how we had we, we basically had a segment about nasir little on mm-hmm. um the prime time, the prime time podcast talking about how like look he doesn't get a chance to shine because he's getting limited minutes because the guy in front of him cam johnson's shooting lights out like he doesn't get his opportunity to shine i feel like cam rush is a similar situation where he's a third option on a team he's not getting a chance to shine he's on the floor a lot. he's shooting volume amounts out there he's shooting seven plus threes a game mm-hmm. which is insane to me but he's just a solid player top to bottom and i think that anyone expecting him to be a superstar uh as the third man on a team you're just wrong mm-hmm. like that's not but, but do you think he can be a superstar in the nba i do okay. i agree i think he's the same boat as nasir is he's a better player than he is in co- like better nba prospect than he is in college player and i hope that the bulls could take that because that's ideal for mm-hmm. us like let's go ahead and take a guy w- who couldn't shine in college who has three and D wing potential, but then also can grow into a ball handling wing who's dominant defensively as well. Like that's everybody's dream. Here's the thing that I, I will say: like if you want us to talk more about the Bulls, we will in a future mm-hmm. mock. But yeah. I do want to hit right now where this talent drops off. And you brought up Nasir Little, yep, um, and his ability to grow, and that in the next level at the NBA, he will be you know good. And we, I we all assume he'll be a better player in the NBA. Yeah, I, I have him the highest going next to the Hawks. So I think we'll 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 just jump over the Bulls. We talk about them a lot. Yep. Cam Reddish is a very good three and D player. He's going to fit in with the at least the players that they have right now. Chris yeah, Dunn, Zach Levine, right mm-hmm. Cam Reddish, Laurie Markkinen, and then uh, Wendell Carter Jr. 
it's, it's a very good starting lineup. Yep. You just got to get rid of the head coach. Um, but now with the Hawks and this year, Little, I have them the highest at fifth. You have them going to the Wizards at six. Ricky, you have them at 11. Yep. You're saying that the talent drops off after him? I'm saying the talent might drop off before him. Okay, so he is that cut off. I think so he there's, is. There's, there's, there's the top four, and then there's everybody else. Okay, and Ricky, do you agree with that? I would say for sure top four, Culver to me. At By the time we get to draft, Culver might play himself into where we're saying after the top five. Right now. Right now it's top four, okay. maybe top five. From five to ten for me is all... I would feel I'm, confident I'm, taking I'm these guys. Not asking that, but I'm not like for sure they're I'm, for sure. I'm hits. asking like where's the where, where's the like where would you be <laughs> bummed picking? Like from, would you be bum picking a five because you didn't get a shot at the four? No, I. If that's a question, ten or below, five to fifteen for me. You could put them in a bucket, shake them mm-hmm. up, and just pull out names. I'm like, yeah, okay. I feel right that now, they haven't. See, I don't. They haven't distinguished themselves I, enough. I feel I that way. Six to fifteen. So you want to put Nasir in that? group? I do want to put Nasir into that group. And I know that pe- then some people are worried about the, the playing time. I am too. And mm-hmm. I, I, I've brought this up multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Roy Williams was a, 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 a national legend. champion coach. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's a legend, like you said. He is obviously knows basketball talent when he sees it. And Nasir only getting 20 minutes a game is worrying. But when you do see him out there, there is the growings of, a, I think, an NBA starter, mm-hmm. at least. And, and, and possibly an NBA star. Um, he has the ability to score. He has the ability to shoot from the outside, and maybe it's not super consistent because he's not getting the minutes. And you know, you see him go one for five, and that's the most he's ever taken in a game. But also, when you're getting limited minutes, you do not want to make bad mistakes, so those minutes go down. Same. And we've watched him get pulled off the court for uh, poor decisions already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that he is kind of walking on thin ice. And and th- yeah, and, and you that's know, fair. And I think something with him. Uh, you don't want to you know, push the envelope because you do not want to you know, totally tank your draft stock. But you also want to be a good teammate. You want to be able to you know, help your team win games. Right. Um, and I think that might change once you go into the NBA. There's not a lot of you know, forwards and 3 and D players who are 6'6", with an over 7-foot wingspan, who have this much athleticism, can play this uh, amount of defense, mm-hmm. has the ability to attack the uh, basket like he has. Um and he's even a really good free throw shooter when he's had the the opportunity to. And again, mm-hmm. looking at what he's done from three, like it's twenty four percent, but it's going uh, one a two, oh a one, oh a two, oh a one, oh a one, oh a one, oh a one, one for one, two for three, one for two. I haven't seen enough out of him from three. Yeah. But again, I think that goes back to the opportunities and not wanting to piss away your opportunity. But when you go to the line, you're hitting those shots, and we usually take free throw shooting as a barometer of how good of a shooter you can be. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's enough there. That doesn't make me worry too much about his three-point shooting. And I think we even look back at Luca. Like people were like, "Oh, he's shooting 31% from three. He's going to be garbage." Well, you look at the free throws, and you also look at he played 91 consecutive games. Not everything is just numbers. You have to take it into context. And I think with Nasir Little, the volume of three is not there. But then you look inside the arc and what he's doing from two-point range: 49 and 81, over 60% from the field there. Yeah. And you know that's mostly he's a great slasher driving. Yeah. Yep. But also, like, there is the ability to shoot from inside the arc. And there's that ability where it gets closer to the, the bucket, he's going to be able to get it uh, to fall. And I think you know, the, you 
keep stepping out. You keep practicing. And I think if he works on that, you can build up the ability to hit from the outside. Yeah, it's um, just tough to give him those shots when you have a guy in front of him and Cam Johnson shooting 47% from three mm-hmm. on over five attempts a game. Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason why, but at the same he's, time, he's, he's got to try. Really, he's on a really talented college team. Yeah. That's why. Gotcha. So when, you, when you're on a really ca- college, talented college team, it's tough to get your opportunities, and guys can outplay you. I mean, you look back, and was Joel Berry the best guard uh, in UNC for the past, you know, 10 years? No, he has <laughs> phenomenal numbers because mm-hmm. he's a great college player. But yeah. He's not a great NBA player. And not being a so, great college player doesn't mean you can't be a great NBA well, player. And being a great NBA player didn't mean you were a great college player. I think there's a lot of ways that Nasir Little can develop into an NBA starter. And I think he's a guy that you can look at, you know, top five and be like, very pr- proud of mm-hmm. taking him because I think he has that body. I think he has that potential. And the NBA draft always goes back to potential. Yep. And when he's working out at the combine, when he's, you know, getting opportunities and minutes, he might shine I back just, up to that top five. Here's level. the thing I look at. And one of the comments that Dave and I got on our Nasir little video, um, this is from the, the most greatest productions. He says in there, if you watch UNC games, you know, it's coaching that's holding him back. That might be true. It might kind of be like a Seku situation of like, okay, he doesn't know where he's going to, like where he has to be on the floor. I go back to a Bleacher Report article where they say, what are you doing? Williams asks and Little goes, just doesn't answer. And then he just goes, well, I don't know. He lifts his chin. He wishes that he knew the answer, but he just doesn't know where he should be. And my worry is that any team in the top 10 after the top five, or even after the top four, the Hawks, I'm not taking a flyer on Nasir Little because Why not? one thing— Yeah, 14 picks, you might as well. One thing, I think that that is a, hey, you know what? We do not—like, they are taking players that they think can help us win in the near future. I don't think he's a guy that fits in with what the old what? Golden what? State— yeah, so the brass in the that near came, future? The brass that yeah, came we know. over they were from the Warriors front from office. From the Warriors. Yeah, it, took them, Little, it took Steph Curry five years before they is, made the playoffs. Yeah, but like Steph Curry was not—I'm not relating him to Nasir Little. I wouldn't take him on the Hawks. If I'm the Wizards, I'm not going to take him him there. No, my point is it took them five years. From building that team, it took them they're, five they're, years they're to not, get to where they were. But near what, team. what I am saying is— if he doesn't know where he's supposed to be, and yes, you could say, well, the coaching could help him, and that may be true. I'm not there at UNC. I don't know the situation. But if I'm in the top 10, I don't want to stay in the top 10 to where I wonder if all of these organizations from 5 to 10 are going to go too big of a risk for me and pass on them because— So you think the best scenario because, for Nasir Little is to get the best coaching? Yes. Okay. That's it. Like, he the needs the right coach it, to work with him. Gotten to the point. I just, like, the biggest concern I have with Nasir Little is what they say about most athletes in most sports is what's above the shoulders is more important than what's below it. And when I start hearing, don't know where he's supposed to be, don't know this, That's it's one either point. one of two things. It's either the coach isn't helping you understand— or you just don't have the basketball IQ to understand. And if it's that second one, I'm pushing you to the side and I'm not going to draft you. Why wouldn't the Hawks then make a great project team for him? Because I just I don't see the Hawks as in it for a project. They want to get to winning as soon as possible. What, I think but, you're com- yeah. What where, timeline? Where, where is that? Where do you get that idea from? Because I 
if I look at Nasir Little right now, I'm looking at him as a no, two to three year Hawks. project. No, the Hawks, not yeah, Nasir Little for, for the Hawks. Just, and I don't no, but think no. Where where do you get the idea that the Hawks want to win now? Because they're building their team. They went out and made their draft picks. They built the young herder and the um, Spellman draft picks to hit the guys that they want. Herder was a 20 and Spellman was a 30. Well, I know. That does not mean those guys are starters for the rest of their But think about it. When they postered those picks, a lot of people were saying, there's your Warriors core. There's what you are. Those are half jokes, I get that's hype. But for me, at number five... If you want to like, if you want to sit there and be a top five team for another two to three years, go ahead and do it. Otherwise, I'm going with a guy like Jarrett Culver, who is going to be able to hit from outside, who's going to be able to play the defense. And if you don't like what Kevin Herter's doing right now, Jarrett Culver but could be your Clay Thompson it, type of three and D on your team. Kevin Herter's way been better. Fine. No, no, and that's what I'm saying. Like for me, like yes, Culver and Herter kind of can bat a little bit. But I would take that over Nasir Little, who right now I see as a project. Um, I think they're a team willing to take on projects. I think they're all about we're at the top of the draft for the next couple of years. Can I can I put some context to this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to win now, they'd be taking Luka Doncic and not trading him away. Well, they they just got they just got Trey Young and draft capital. Maybe they're building up draft capital to build up the, their team. The Luka argument is completely different because if you're saying that, then the Suns should have taken him at number one. They should have. Like, but I'm talking about the Atlanta had, Hawks. I'm not talking about the Phoenix Suns. I'm talking about it. the Atlanta Hawks. And what you're saying is that they want to win now. And you know what? Nasir Little might be the same thing. Might be the same thing as Luka Doncic. There may be fears of, I don't want to waste my pick. And yes, he's a two to three year project. But if I don't have the faith that he's going to pan out in those two and three years, I'm not wasting a top 10 pick on him. That's fine. I'm not, No, and I'm not saying you need to be picking yeah. Nasir Little. Yeah, I'm not saying that. But, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from with the Atlanta Hawks about they want to win now. Because, like, and that's, it that's goes the back only thing to, that I'm not understanding. Let me, or drawing let me rephrase to. it this way You obviously, every single team wants to turn their team around. If you're a team that's sitting there, yeah, I'm fine picking number one overall every year, then fire your management. That's why Sons Bulls management wants to get, like, we want Garpacks gone because that's what it seems like. They're competent with. We can make a playoff run with veterans, or we can sit in the top five. What I should say is, I see Nasir Little as a project, but when you say like two to three years, it's not for sure that we know he's going to become what his ceiling is. And if you're not confident that he can develop in those two to three years, take someone else who you believe can do that. And the, the final thing Maybe that I'll, sooner. I'll say too is with the Hawks, I don't get that idea from them because uh, they just hired. Their general manager in 2017. Mm-hmm. They just hired Lionel Hollins to be their Lionel Hollins, right? Is their head coach um, this year? I think they are trying to build up that front office. They're trying to build up that coaching staff. They're trying to build up that team. Lloyd so Pierce. That, Lloyd Pierce. Thank you, Lionel Hollins. Who's Lionel Hollins? He was with the Grizzlies. Was he? All right. Sorry, Lloyd Pierce. Uh, he's the former uh, assistant coach of the 76ers. Mm-hmm. I knew where he come from. I could picture his face. Just forgot his name. Lloyd Pierce. I'm sorry. But they're building up that coaching staff. They're building up that front office. They're building a culture, and they just need to build up a team. And my idea is it's not that scary to take on a project. And also, I don't under, like I don't see the massive difference between Culver and Little talent-wise. And, mm-hmm. yes, there's difference between production. But also, Nasir Little's 18. Jared Culver's older. I mean, one's a sophomore, one's a freshman. And Let also, me... real quick, mm-hmm. also, 
two different players. Culver is more of a you know two guard, mm-hmm. and Nasir Little is a natural three. And I think mm-hmm. you see the buildings of a three and D player, where Culver might be more of a just a all out wing and possibly a combo guard in, in, in some instances as well. And I think there is that higher ceiling for Nasir Little. And yes, you you might call that a project, which is fine. Uh, but I just think that when you're in that spot of being fifth. You know, top five pick mm-hmm. for for multiple years. You need to take shots at projects because those projects get you outside of that. And yes, hey, maybe you won't be. You know, if you take Jared Culver, he'll be more of a plug and play, and you win five more games. But mm-hmm. That takes you from five to seven. I think Nasir Little takes that ability for you to get from five into the playoffs at his peak and at his performance. And I think that's where I'm trying to say where does the talent drop mm-hmm. off? Because I think of Zion as a, an NBA starter at his low. I think of R.J. Barrett as, as an NBA starter at his low. I think John Morant is an NBA starter at his low. Cam Reddish, same thing. And I think the same for Nasir Little. I think Jared Culver's low could just be a bench player, and I think that's about it. I don't think his his, his you know star potential, mm-hmm. maybe it's it's a it's a quality starter to a, you know a top 10 wing. I think Nasir Little can be a top five wing and possibly an all-star. See, I just, for me, and maybe I should have explained it like this, it's Nasir Little project, but at the end of that project, how confident are you that he is actually going to get there? And if I'm the Hawks, if I put three years into a prospect and you don't hit even close to what we thought it was going to be, then I don't want to be at number five looking back at this draft going, wow, we drafted a bust. Obviously, we had a long discussion, so if you want to throw into anything onto that, go ahead. But you took Kevin Porter if you want to change the subject. Uh, just just a final note on all that. Like, If you're so low on his chance to pan out, then fine. Just mm-hmm. say that. Don't like That would have that streamlined about the last <laughs> 15 minutes of this episode. But with all that being said... Ken Porter Jr. is pretty cool, though, right, guys? No, yeah. Like, like he he's a true like combo guard who can facilitate. He can score. He has that it factor to him when you watched him play. Um, we're all sort of assuming that thigh injury is going to be a, a season ender for him. Are you worried about that? I'm no, ask because about he's it. probably going to be fine. He just okay. doesn't want to come back because there's no way his draft stock stays this <laughs> high if he plays more. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at his individual performances, nothing stellar. He, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't popped off for like 30 a game, you know, on season. He's got average numbers, but when you watch him play, it's the basketball IQ, it's his handles, it's his motions running an offense that really intrigues you. You start to see that star potential out of him, and he's a guy where I'm so high on him that I'm concerned because I'm like, this seems like fool's gold to me. Like, I probably will have you dropping if other players can continue to play like a Jerry mm-hmm. Culver. You know, Jarrett gives me that Jimmy Butler feeling. It's that tough grittiness to his play. He's not a consistent shooter. He's a streakier shooter. Uh, obviously, he's better than Jimmy was at this point in time in his career, but, like, just that style of play is what I'm aiming at with that one. And I think Kevin Porter Jr. just has a certain special it right now that hasn't washed off if players like uh, Nasir Little and Jarrett Culver continue to play up there's absolutely every reason in the world for me to push them above him. But right now, I look at that Hawks team and I go, you want a stud. Trey Young right now, amazing floor general for you. But at the same time, when he's not out there, that team is truly lost. Obviously, Jeremy mm-hmm. Lin is an excellent player, but he's not in your long-term plans. So let's go ahead and get you a great two-guard to work with him hand-in-hand. Hand. I think Herter, amazing shooter. It's just they've got to figure out how to use him right in that offense giving him meaningful minutes while not exposing him too much right now because yeah. he's still growing. Um, so I think that Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy who I would think, like, 
that that to me seems like the the Hawks could really succeed with that kind of a pick. And the thing too with uh, with Kevin Porter's injury is it's a was reported a one to two week injury, and obviously this thing could drag out. He could mm-hmm. obviously make the the idea of hey, I want to play for myself, and obviously I have a future to think about and step away. Mm-hmm. But also, how do you think that would affect if he does plan to step away and the reports are that it's a one- to two-week injury, how do you think that would reflect well, on him as a basketball player when it comes to the NBA draft stock? What I'm seeing, and I just want to interject yeah. here, is this is from Twitter on uh, the 29th. Um, according to Andy Ensfield on Kevin Porter, he's made improvements with his flexibility and his strength in his thigh, but he's not capable of practicing. On the 30th, he was out there in sweatpants at the halftime of their game um, and was shooting, but it didn't look like he's bending his right leg much. Um, and that's a thigh he's bruised almost six weeks ago now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I read that wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. According to the OC register, uh, uh, was it one de- to two months? Yeah, it was determined uh, he had suffered a quad contusion that was expected to sideline one to two weeks. Instead, the severity worsened for reasons fully, not fully known, uh. setting back the timeline for recovery to four to five weeks. So uh, it was, I think, suffered uh, December 7th, Currently January third, so mm-hmm. obviously with that report, yeah, we're probably gonna push it more towards because he was supposed February. to he was supposed to return mm-hmm. in late January. late December. Late summer, yeah. yeah. All right. So let's say you know it goes on to you know February and they shut him down. Does that then affect his draft stock? I with the the news that you just I think received. he stays pretty steady until we see workouts from him and until his medical gets cleared. Like that goes pretty much up to the draft deadline. If you guys remember mm-hmm. last year with the Michael Porter Jr. saga going on, mm-hmm. obviously a much more serious injury, but at the same time, those medical the, the medical information around him was very conspiracy theory ish. Like it didn't get released to all the teams, only to who he wanted to disseminate information to. Um, I wonder if I, I don't think this will go the same route. Uh, obviously, be entertained if it did though. But like, I, I think that this is more like. You know, we're going to see him probably get back to his normal self by February. And it's just like, if you come out now and play for a month, like, is there really any benefit for you or your team in to to do that? Like, I think the risk is higher than the reward at that point. Mm-hmm. I would probably just play it safe, do my do my own thing, like practice on the side and just be cool going into the NBA draft. One thing, at least, will it help my team? USC is on a heater than on a three-game win streak. And the Pac-12 looks yeah. like shit. Um, so, hey, yeah. maybe the Pac-12 title's out there and he wants to push, mm-hmm. push himself. Uh, what do you think, at least, about hurting his draft stock if he doesn't I mean, for back? me, I don't think it hurts it. It will not hurt it until we either see bad workouts or if at the combine the medicals come out and it's like, wow, this is bad. Well, um, That's the only way it, it really I, hurts because it's different than I've an injury that we're— injury. Uh, See, like go terribly wrong. That's, that's the, thing. the thing. There's no precedent. Well, it's for not it. even a thigh injury. Like he didn't tear anything. Mm-hmm. He bruised it. Yeah. So my thing is, you know, how bad can a bruise truly be? Mm-hmm. And then I start questioning. All right, like if you had the ability to come back, this isn't like Bobo. You know, had to get foot surgery. Well, and this isn't like Michael different. Porter who had to get back surgery, and Michael Porter still came back and played. And that's like, why I was going to say it's different than an injury we're going to talk about later yeah, in ball. Where, where's your mental toughness? And again, like, do you have that yeah. ability to playing for a team? I think GMs would look at that and be like, I think he's right. going to have to answer those questions during interviews. Hundred percent. I think you're, you're that's on true. the right line of questioning. So I think I think if he doesn't come back, then those questions will be brought up. Yeah. I think as personally, I would like to see him if he's able to play yeah. and he is healthy. Go out and show what you have because, again, you only gave us two months. Mm-hmm. That's not enough to say that you're a top 10 pick for sure. I, mean, I was questioning putting him outside of my top 10. I obviously didn't. I, I gave well, him the magic at nine. Uh, but I do question that if, like, you're not coming back and you are cleared to come back, let me, then where are you? Let me throw it this way. It's similar to what we're seeing in the NFL where 
Nick Bosa basically said, "Bye guys, I'm done." Like I ain't coming back and getting rehurt. See, uh, but I feel that's is it different, different because football's so physical and it's not uh, that, guaranteed. That not guaranteed. Um, and also the other thing too is like, what was Bosa dealing with? I thought it was like um, you know some mean, leg injury that he had. I um, mean, I, I I'd have to look up exactly. This is what different it was. because like I don't know if he tore anything. I'm not an NFL draft uh, expert at all. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a, a bruise. Like, come on. Like, you could play through a bruise. And I'm not saying play through a bruise now. Oh, Get that's what. It was a uh, core muscle injury. He tore a, like, pectoral muscle. Yeah, that's a tear. I mean, like, he bruised something. Mm-hmm. Like, you can get over a bruise. Ice it. I, I, I just think, <laughs> Unless like... Unless it's a misdiagnosis. <laughs> Unless it's a quiet thing. Um, if if you are healthy, though, I say play. I personally want yeah. you to play. So that's mm-hmm. that's my thing. And that's, again, if you're healthy. If you're not healthy, then obviously don't play. Yep. Um. So that's my, my line of thought. Also, did his dad play in the league? Um, there's a Kevin Porter that did come up, and obviously he's Kevin Porter Jr. So I want to look into that and see if his dad played because apparently his dad, uh, impossible dad, uh, is from Chicago. He went to Dusable. So, uh, anyways, uh, let's move on now to the Wizards, right? Because mm-hmm. we talked about the the fall off. We talked about Nasir yep. Little yep. versus Jared Culver. Um, at six, I have the Warrior Wizards going with Romeo Langford. Uh, Ricky, you have Kevin Porter, uh, and Dave, you have Nasir Little. Obviously, talked about Porter. Uh, we talked about Little. Um, Romeo Langford is a guy that I know that mm-hmm. I've been on and off, hot and cold. Ricky saying I was calling him trash last time. Uh, I well, just, it wasn't trash. It's just we were talking about him, and I brought up, oh, he had a was good this game on against Louisville. Yes. And I brought up, oh, uh, he had a good game against Louisville, and you completely dismissed. Like, I don't care. I'm still low on him. It's not going to change my opinion. <laughs> and now because he blows out a trash Illinois team, well, you're all on the Romeo Langford bandwagon. First off, I was on the Romeo Langford uh, bandwagon. Check our mock, early mock draft. It was garbage. I had him number one. Yeah, you did. Um, yep. My thing with him was I, w- I worry about a shot consistency, right? Um, and then he goes to the line against I, uh, U of I and goes 11 to 14, which he, I really like. He's a trash team. Um, and that's coming you, from an Illinois. The line doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That doesn't mean shit when you're going to the line. Uh, you could be playing the Spurs and you could be playing the, uh, you know, fighting the line. I, you could still go 11 14 is going 11 mm-hmm. 14. Yep. Um, also, I think his defense is coming around as well. Um, and maybe that's just because Indiana is a very good defensive team. Um, and Archie Miller is uh, a good defensive coach. But I, I think that. He does show the ability to become a pretty decent, you know, two guard who can, you know, possibly facilitate, possibly drive an attack. Getting stronger in the NBA would help and also be a good defender. So I think that could be something that is intriguing me more that maybe he's not going to be the Kobe Bryant scorer, but maybe he has that ability to be Kobe light in the fact that he can score, you know, 15 a game, but he can also be a good defender. Like, obviously, Kobe was a great defender. Kobe was a great player, a great scorer. Um, But maybe he can be to that level of Kobe, just a little bit taken back. Just stop Um, saying Kobe out loud. That's fine. Well, no, the the biggest thing, the only reason (laughs) I'm saying Kobe was because people were, like, saying. They wanted him to be Kobe. Exactly. He's a a really good mid-range. Credit to him. He's 6'6", too. So, like, the the build's there. So, that's the only reason why I'm saying Kobe. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people who are coming into this might think, oh, this is the kid that's being compared to Kobe. I'm just saying, like, he has some pieces that do still show, yep. like, that Kobe ability, just not to Mamba level. Right. Maybe he's, like, you know, well, Garden Snake level. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that Romeo Langford's coming around a little bit on me, too. And also, with their ability of possibly getting rid of Bradley Beal this season or next season, you need a two at some point. I think Romeo would be making sense next to John Wall because John Wall is such a great passer. He can find him wide open shots. Yep. And I think Romeo can hit wide open jumpers, so... I think that would help his offensive game as well, having someone who can create for him. He can create his, on his own right, but also having that 
uh, ability of having a, a top 10 guard in John mm-hmm. Wall creating open shots for you off ball could be huge for Romeo Lincoln. And for me, it comes down to the Bradley Beal move. Because yep. if I if I was for sure they were not going to move him, then I would have had Keldon Johnson going here. But because I'm like, you know what? In my mind, moving Bradley Beal by the trade deadline is the best move possible. Go with the two. Go with Kevin Porter Jr., who to me has a, in my mind, a little bit higher ceiling than a Keldon Johnson. And that's yeah, why it's like... It's- it's yeah. debatable, but yep. like if they were going to keep Bradley no, Beal, no. then I might go to Kelton Johnson so here because your assumption is Beal's gone. You're yeah. drafting for the future. Yep, exactly. Right. And right. I mean, because John Wall's stuck. Yeah, like he's here to stay. I'm I'm going there, digging to the well. They're like, hey, let's just we're bad, we're real bad right now. Mm-hmm. Let's take someone with potential. Like I think that this is going to be eventually they're going to flip over the majority of the roster, but it's the Wizards, so they're bad and they're not going to do it right. So at least they end up with the most potential available for their point in the draft. I'm really going to bring this fucking podcast down. Uh, just found an article because I was looking up the thing mm-hmm. of Kevin Porter, who was from Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, was Kevin Porter Jr.'s dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the SeattleTimes.com, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. lost his father when he was four. So, yeah. yikes. Sorry, Kevin. Not so great. For bringing that up, yeah. Uh, Honestly, so, though, I, if I had a choice, I'd rather lose my dad before I was, like, five than, like, later in life. When not he, easy. No, but like, I'd rather bro, have a dad. Not either, oh, either way. 100%. I don't want to be bringing this up because, like, the last yeah. thing I want is like someone like somewhat sending this to Kevin Porter Jr. I just want to apologize for yeah. bringing up your dad because mm-hmm. if that is a soft spot, that sucks that you lost it yeah. very early in your life uh, or just in your life at all. I still yeah. have my dad around, so I'm sure. lucky. Uh, we all do. So, you know, knock on wood, we're lucky. So, my bad. Just want mm-hmm. to correct that. Not just once Kevin Porter, once Kevin Porter Jr., <coughs> not related. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you have him going to the Wizards. Yeah, so I do. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Nasir Little, though, what do you think? <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Thanks. Didn't let you follow that one up too easily, huh? Thanks. Uh, no, like I said, it, the Wizards are a flaming trash heap. Like, they're, they're, they're a team with all the talent in the world and underperforming. Obviously, John Wall got injured, but, like, at this point in the year, it didn't even matter. Like, they were already underperforming so poorly. Bradley Beal's got a ton of potential still. I'm still on his train. Otto Porter, maybe he'll bounce back to be an above-average player, but you paid him a stupid contract. Somebody's going to eat that contract because they think they can make him a better player, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't have the right attitude to like take over a team, I feel. Uh, he, just, he doesn't want the ball in his hands often, and he's hesitant to take shots. I don't know if that's just been drilled in his head by playing with two alphas like Bradley Beal and John Wall, where he doesn't feel deserving to take a majority of shots, but he's an excellent shooter. Uh, by, by all standards, he was an excellent shooter. He's a great defender. So I look to see them go for... Nasir Little, someone who tons of potential, longer-term project, but at the same time has the highest potential outcome of anyone left in the draft in my mind outside of a bowl bowl, but because of his injury, I can't put bowl bowl that high. Sorry, now I'm reading more about Kevin Porter Jr. Apparently, uh, a guy who uh, graduated from his high school, some guy named Jamal Crawford, became a father figure to him. So, you know, kind of a happier ending. So that's pretty good. So he he has found a father figure. He didn't know what a father figure was until he found Jamal Crawford. I feel a little bit better now. Mm Where'd he go, Jace Smooth? Jay Crosser, whatever his nickname is. Shout out to Jamal Crawford. Mm-hmm. So I, I, Did you say Jay Smooth? I forget what his that's, name is. I believe that's an actor, if I'm not, uh, or a comedian, if I'm not Maybe. mistaken. I don't know. Just shout out to <laughs> Jamal Crawford then. Uh, anyways, uh, I agree, though. I, flaming 
pile of trash heap, and I think that that potential is too much to pass yep. up when you're when you're at that position. And also, you get rid of Ubre, Otto Porter, like you mentioned. Like I, I think either a little bit somebody fit. somebody might pick him up, or he just learns to play better, and you know they roll with him at the four. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. I think Mister Little will be a really good fit. Yeah, though, with the Wizards. Do the question: Would he even get minutes? <laughs> I'm just saying they got a certain first round pick on their team right now. Also, Scott Brooks, and oh, yeah, I mean same position. Troy too. Brown Jr. Yeah, same position. Well, Troy too. Brown's more of a two, uh, but he's a ball. Ha- he's a two-three ball handler. Yeah. So different skill set, but yeah. But then if they don't try bad Bradley Beal, they have Nasir Little. That motherfucker ain't getting minutes. I hate um, the Wizards. We'll anyways, move on. let's go to seven. Uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I have them going. Jared Culver. Uh, you have Kelton Johnson, Ricky, uh, fr- from Kentucky, and uh, Dave has him going. Jared Culver. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Ricky, for Kelton Johnson. We talked about Jared Culver a little bit already. Um, so tell us about Kelton Johnson. Why is he up this high? Because he's kind of a riser. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's interesting because what I would really, 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 really want them to take mm-hmm. is a point guard. But I sat here at seven, was like. Is seven too high for Darius Garland right now? And I was like, yes. In my mind, Darius Garland maybe a little bit too high to be putting maybe. him at seven at this point. If he comes back for the workouts and plays for the workouts, maybe can rise his stock into top ten levels. But other than that, I just look at what else is available, and I'm still not completely sold on Romeo Langford yet. Um, so I look at. You know what? The two, three, Keldon Johnson, DeAndre Hunter. I'm going to go with Johnson over Hunter because, like, for Hunter, and maybe this is like a bad stereotype I put him in. Yeah. I look at his defense more than his offense. And where Keldon Johnson has been popping off offensively a little bit as of late, I'm going to go more with that than the defensive heavy Hunter. Uh, Jamal Crawford's uh, Twitter is J Crossover. So that's what J Crossover. All right. My bad. Yeah. Uh, Dave, though, I mean, with the Keldon Johnson thing, him rising up, what Ricky's brought up, why is Culver still there? I know you're a big fan of Culver, yeah. and you also have Keldon Johnson rising up your boards. Why not go Keldon Johnson here? Why do you like Culver over I Johnson? I wanted to put Keldon Johnson there 100%. You know, because you were here when I made the freaking mm-hmm. thing last minute as hell for this mock. It's just, I couldn't decide. I couldn't decide. So and... what ended up pushing it over? And did Ricky's possibly change your mind? I want, I want to have a three there. The problem is that Obviously, Jarrett Culver is a two, but if he falls too far, like it, none of the teams after this really fit perfectly in my mock, and maybe I, I overreached for fit in a lot of these scenarios, mm-hmm. but I thought Jarrett Culver's talent demanded that he be taken at this point because I, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong with the, there, there's four, and then there's a, everybody else. Maybe it's like four, and then two, and then two, and then, you know. Well, like, I mean, there could be different tiers. It's smaller cliffs, I think. Why do you think they need a three, exactly? The Pelicans. Exactly. You've seen the Pelicans. But, but they've also people been, know. They've been rolling out Etwan, and Etwan's going to be on Etwan next year. Etwan needs to be a starter. Uh, he's been shite off the bench. Um, so, and they've the played problem. with the three before. Right. So, possibly. But, and Culver, Culver is longer. So, then you could possibly defensively put Culver on the threes. You could. You could. I just think that, talent-wise, he's so freaking good. Even if you have to move Drew to the one again, it's worth taking Culver there because right now you have... Just such a terrible defensive team when you don't have AD and Drew out there together. Excuse me. And I think that adding Jarrett Culver to that really helps them a lot because their wing defense is atrocious. And the fact that people can abuse Nico Miritich and Randall in the low post uh, and uh, coming down from the outside to the low post, you need someone who can at least ensure that, like, look, you got Drew on their number one guard. And then you can move uh, Jerk Culver over to guard a wing or a guard, either or. Like, he's flexible. 
And I think that you end up with that secondary ball handler off of Drew, which is great because Drew doesn't want to be a primary ball handler anyway. Mm. That he's notoriously been better when there's a true point guard out there. And mm-hmm. we even saw even Alfred Payton out there helped him out as a yeah. being a two guard. And obviously so Rondo too. Rondo was enormous, obviously. But like that's what I'm saying. Like even the shitty version of Rondo and Alfred Payton, like you still see Drew happier, playing better, and more engaged. He's fallen off from what he did last year, no doubt. But I still think that adding them and maybe shifting everybody over one spot, best case scenario, because Jarrett Culver is much, it just seems like a better prospect right now than Kelton Johnson. How tempted were you then to put uh, Darius Garland to the Pelicans? So tempted. So tempted. You have no idea. Because I watched all of his highlights. I literally went back, grabbed every game he played, and then I grabbed one of the like uh, travel, not travel, what's the AAU. AAU games? And I'm just like, I really like the way he moves with the ball in his hands. He is clean. He's he's so good, and he's got good enough size, and he's got good enough court vision. But he's a he's a pure scorer out there, which is awesome. So I think that that's the thing is like, I'm close to rising on him again. Never gonna play a game in college. I don't mm-hmm. care. And that's one thing too, where we come back to the talent level, and that's mm-hmm. you know, if someone had this injury last year, they definitely fall like five spots. And right. Garland hasn't fell much for us, mm-hmm. and that's why I keep wondering like, where is this talent cut off? There's that's just why I, there's I, I tried only to make one that point card in the draft. Mr. Little, it's Ja, mm-hmm. and then after that, there there's literally mm-hmm. a, that I will say there is a cliff. Yeah, like there, there's well, like, there's Ja and there's everybody else. You've got so Trey, Darius Garland. You got Trey Jones, who's good, but like. We talked about Cam Reddish and what he's had to deal with, well, being the fourth behind the three yeah. Dukies and not being in there. Like, but I don't think dis- Trey Jones is a one on any team. No, but like he's not the number one scoring option, but he's a good point guard and can help out a team. But like, <laughs> no one even thinks about him because it's like, oh, Duke, Duke, Duke. You got mm-hmm. the three Dukies in front of him. It's just kind of a more extreme than what we mentioned with Cam. Yeah, I know I agree with I that. I just don't see, like, I'm sorry, Trey Jones, I don't see the star potential. Your brother's in the league, and he's also backup trash. So, I mean, suck at Minnesota. He could, he could be better than... Uh... I'm just, we've been in this room for like an hour and 20 minutes. I am on fire right now. Yeah. So it's just coming out. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm not blaming you. Uh, I think it's interesting, though, at least, because they do have flexibility. Because even then, you look at the four, and, and you know, possibly do they even go Hachimura? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, they if they're getting rid of Miritich, you right. know, you can, you can but his contract's up at the end of the year. Um, then do they think that's a you know a necessary uh, position to attack? Uh, I don't. I think that they try to go for a five and get AD out of that uh, position. center position as soon as possible because if he's not happy, we all know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move now into uh, the A spot, T-Wolves. Uh, I have DeAndre Hunter. Ricky has DeAndre Hunter. Dave has DeAndre Hunter. Is this the most boring pick in the world? It's, yes. Well, if Thibodeau is there and DeAndre Hunter is the best on the board – Take them. It's defense. Wait, didn't we say with marketing draft they traded for Butler? Yeah, I know, but so, like, I mean, I don't think they're going to. They trade have Rocco too, so. I mean, they do have Rocco, but Rocco can't play every minute of every game. I'm saying he's hurt right now too, which sucks. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, Rocco can guard, you know, two, three, four. DeAndre Hunter can guard two, three, four. Yeah, I'm happy with that. And Hunter's an older player, so it's not exactly. like he's not he's not a rookie. Mm-hmm. Even when he comes in the league, he'll wasn't yeah. Jimmy like 23, 24 when he came in the league. Jimmy 20, was old, twenty two. Mm-hmm. I mean, but right we, now he's we like also 21. were pretty stacked on that team. To yeah. be fair at the time, he was not a better player at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, I just yeah. think it's boring just because DeAndre Hunter is no offense to DeAndre Hunter. I think he's he's his ceiling is an NBA starter. I think his floor is like a very good bench player. Um, but I don't think there's that like Mikael Bridges like he can be a star at some right. point. Right? Uh, do, do you, you think know, he's Similar line to, like, he's just a better shooting coming into the league. Rocco. 
Yeah, I and think so. And I think he, he's he's a prototype. You know, he's he's yeah. what everybody wants is just a generic three and D wing. Mm-hmm. He's you know somebody who could go along in what Trevor Reese is doing this year. Basically, I'm not saying prime Trevor Reese because yeah. that's a different story. But like what Trevor's doing this year and like last year. Well. Like that's that's sort of like where we expect him to be. At. And I think one thing too with with Hunter is he is a leader. I think that's one big thing. I mean, you look at what I'm happened that, to them actually. when he got injured. They uh, lost to a sixteen. They lost seed. to a sixteen seed. That's the only time it's ever happened. And you know, that, I think that's a big part of DeAndre Hunter not being out there because again, he would have been able to, wear, you know, guard mm-hmm. Jarius Lyles and be able to slow them down or whoever uh, Mora was. And, as and not well. even just that. Like before that even happened. Like I remember the injury happened, and before they lost to. Um, the UMBC is Jay Billis came on the bracket show and was like, yeah, I would have them as my champion, but now that DeAndre Hunter is going to miss the entire tournament, they're like, don't pick them to win it all. And, and that's, like, that's how important he was to that team. And that's the most credible college basketball analyst mm-hmm. in Jay Billis saying that like, that's, that's huge. And obviously we saw what the effect was in yeah. the actual tourney. Um, so I think that could actually, you know, his, his leadership could take over too. And if they do, and you know, lose D Rose, not losing some leadership and having a guy that's not afraid to mm-hmm. step up, at least on the floor, um, would help that team as well. Because you sure as hell know Wiggins is doing that, calling the fans shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, I think that, or half the fans shit, um, I, I think that would be huge. And, and also that would mean you could take off Wiggins at some point, um, at least you know on the floor if he's not getting it done defensively. Um, because Hunter does provide that. And you wouldn't have you know a ton of scorers out there because then you're giving away Wiggins, but also is Wiggins even a scorer anymore? Um Let's move now to the ninth spot, though. Mm-hmm. I have Kevin Porter. Uh, Ricky, you have uh, Hachimura. And then, Dave, you have Darius Garland. Uh, we haven't talked about Hachimura, so throw it out there, Ricky. Why Hachimura I, the magic? I like what he's what he's able to do. He could be, for me, like Brandon and I talked about it in the— um, we kind of did almost the same thing that you guys did with Ball Ball with the questioning of could he be the next Giannis. No, he's not the next Giannis, but I do think he's got similar skills of like, hey, he could play the four— but also can handle the ball for a team. And for a team like the Magic that need a ball handler, could just go with BPA here, he is the guy on my board that's like, yep, he's the next best player. That's who the Magic go with. So it's and just keep going. Just BPA. Well, this yeah, is this why. is straight BPA. Nope. And he could be, he to me is one of those picks that is like, we're going to, we could look back on it and go like, man, he was a sleeper. The- like, and that's that's fair. The only reason why I bring it up though is just because you look at the build of that team and mm-hmm. you have Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Aaron Gordon. That's a lot of players, mm-hmm. especially for the position he's going to be playing. And I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe one of them, maybe like a Vuce or a Aaron Gordon get moved. But who if knows? Vuce or Gordon gets moved, or, just, or like mm-hmm. only one of them, there's still three players in Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, and Gordon. And the Magic, that are still unless there. you're drafting a point guard, like they're. There, it's a log jam there. So I mean, they're gonna I have think, to figure that out. I think the Magic have to look one or two. Uh, no disrespect, rookie, mm-hmm. but like I just think that the Gordon's the only one who could be, and that's just purely contractual. Like they're just like, oh, we want to get more minutes for younger guys. We know what we get out of you, and we're not gonna pay you max shelf money. Mm-hmm. And also, we can get something big yeah, for you. Yeah, absolutely, because Vucevic has no trade value apparently, even though he's the best uh, center in the league right now. <laughs> take take my word on it. No, no, he's not. Straight up, uh, straight up. But I think you have to go that, one or two. That you is, have to go one or two. Real quick, just because you keep saying straight up, people don't know. Uh, oh, sorry. Three years ago, if they don't know, <laughs> three years ago, we probably explained it enough. Um, yeah, three I, years I, ago, I we made a thing about, uh, who was it? 
Uh, Bismack Biombo. Your boy Vagberg. No, we're talking about Bismack. The, oh, the OG no, version Vagberg of it. No, Vagberg did not say that. I thought he was the... No. He he's was, the one on Twitter that always... He's the Magic that. fan, but he did not say straight mm-hmm. up. It was just, we, were, we shit on the Magic for saying that they had 10 bad starters and that they signed another one in Bismack Biombo. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously they traded him away because it was a horrible contract. Um, but someone said, Vucevic is great. V- Draymond for Vucevic straight up. And we laughed our asses off because mm-hmm. you're talking about defensive player Great of the year. Comment. And now, I think it'd be an unfair trade the way the trade has <laughs> been playing uh, for Vucevic. And maybe, you know, it's a little bit of an overreaction. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe they're making us eat our words finally after three years. They knew something we didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still would like to fit better, but, you know, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever. I just think that Magic, you have to go one or two. Like, they got the, their lineup is the big lineup. They, they got Bamba, Isaac, and Gordon together. That's their future. I think outside of that, nothing else has been locked in. They like a couple of the other guys out there. Obviously, you're getting a ton of points out of Fournier, but I just think that's empty points on a bad team. I'll be honest. Like, it's bad, but like that's. I think they have to go point guard or they have to go two guard here. And Darius Garland has so much potential as a great scorer and an okay facilitator. Like, that's the guy I want. 100% magic. You should have taken a point guard last year. You didn't. Mm-hmm. And if they don't this year, what like what what, what do you think they're, they're praying, passing it up for? They're praying. Oh, if they pass up in the draft, that means they've already got a uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge in free agency, I'm hoping. Because uh, if they fuck that up again, I'd, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they did not go Garland here on my board, I would probably look for a Keldon Johnson, uh, who would be happy to play a two-guard for them. Still has good size, decent length. 6'6". Six, six. Not quite, you know, the seven-foot reach, though. So maybe you go, yeah, I don't know. Who's the two-guard with the longest reach? Like who's... Maybe maybe Romeo. Uh, that's why I kept saying KZ. Yeah, I, Romeo's cause... on my board. KZ, I think just, I think he's going to be more of a three. And I think you already have something special with Isaac. Well, no, but the joke I made was that he was a guard, then grew 10 inches. inches so that's so a perfect, perfect magic. You're right. You're um, right. That's the only the reason why I would say that. And, uh <laughs> But no, I, I agree. That. On my board, Romeo would be, actually be a really good fit. That's and a good call. Romeo's mm-hmm. wingspan is six eleven. So six six, but a six eleven wingspan. So if you're not going DeAndre or Darius Garland, you're looking at Kelden or more likely a Romeo Langford. And that's the one thing that I think Romeo does have over Kelden is the ability to move the ball. Yes, yeah. Kelden has not done that in, no. in Kentucky, and that's not, Kelden uh, plays uh, better defense though. Yes, individual uh, but, defense. I know Romeo, like you said, Romeo plays in a good system. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him on his own when he bulks up to an NBA size. 100%. But right now... But with the Magic, yep. team defense is huge just oh, because yeah. you have Gordon, you have uh, Isaac, you have Bamba. Yep. Um, like you, if that if would, they that touch would... hands, they cross America. <laughs> exactly. It's hands cross America with like three guys. That helps Romeo Lankford. Again, putting him back into a system, yeah. I think that might be the, the player I would go with if, if I'm coming down to Kelton Johnson or Romeo. But I think Garland... You know, again, when it comes to draft time, that could be a sensible pick. Mm-hmm. I go Kevin Porter, obviously, um, not a huge knock on him. I do worry a little bit about the injury. He can rise up. He can fall back down. Um, he could stay where he is. But I think that I needed to put him down a little bit because I'm not fully sold on it because I haven't seen enough out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like at that point, the magic, if he is going to be a combo guard, it's too much to pass up on it. Finally, last pick, Nets. I have uh, Hachimura. Uh, Ricky, you have Romeo Langford. Uh, Dave, you have Hachimura. Um why do the Nets make this pick, Ricky? For, for me, and this is exactly what I was talking about earlier, where you're talking about this drop-off, this is where it happens. Where the Nets are in a position where if I'm going Dave and I'm going more fit-wise, Nasir Little's the guy I pick because they literally, after this year, unless they re-sign one of them, don't have a power forward on the roster. And the Nets are a team that 
could take on a project like a Nasir Little. But I sit there and I look and I go, you know what? Romeo's there. I don't know if I could pass on Romeo with him being available, although I already have a ton of two guards. And when Karis comes back, he is my two guard. I mean, with me, it's another BPA and we'll just figure out how to make it work. But maybe Nasir Little would be more of a fit than Romeo Lankford. Well, I'll bring this up because in mm-hmm. 1.0, you probably had this guy as a BPA, Ball Ball. Mm-hmm. Why not Ball Ball here? Injury. Because... It's all about the injury right now. That's why he's out of my top 10. But do you think he's the best player available still? Uh, no, because of the injury. Mm-hmm. The so injury to me. Top potential, you're. It's, like what he, he falls be. that much. Let's see. Right now, that's okay. where I'm at. It obviously could change, but Ball Ball's out of my top 10 we, with this injury. We're all same thinking on where, where he's going to go. Mm-hmm. not going to spoil it, but I, I just wonder, like, at least when it comes to yeah, BPA, no. I, I think personally, it's, although the injury does happen, mm-hmm. I still think he's probably the best player available. If the injury That's was, in my mind. If the injury did not happen, he would have been in my top 10 somewhere. All right. Oh, of course. Yeah. And he, was, uh, he was top five, I think, a lot for, yeah. uh, for us. Mm-hmm. Um. Dave, though, you, you have Hachimura. Why do you think he's a fit for the Nets? And then also with the Bull Bull thing, why why not Bull Bull here? Sure. Or so, what, we're, you know, why Bull Bull, uh, Hachimura over Bull Bull? Sure. So Hachimura is an already established player in college. He's gotten better every single year. He's been there. His shot's gotten better. He's gotten more comfortable bringing that shot further outside, which is absolutely wonderful. I think the Nets right now are a team that's getting a little taste of success. And that's even with them struggling through injuries year after year, which is incredibly frustrating. After last year watching Jeremy Lin go down opening night, Mm -hmm. me almost crying over it. And then this year, (laughs) having your boy, Karis LeVert, uh, absolutely. Who should be coming back this season. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, that's Mm -hmm. the saving grace. It's like, okay, well, he was injured in the past. He got hurt again. Freak accident, though. I'm not not thinking this is going to be an injury-prone player yet. I'm not penning him down. But I think they're a team that, in the East, if they added someone like a Rui Hachimura, He's someone who can contribute day one to this team. He brings, like Ricky said, he has a handle for the ball. He can facilitate a little bit, and he brings you that scoring punch that they need down low for the most part because they rely heavily on Jarrett Allen, and then they are rolling out those laps where they're going like, let's play two shooting guards and Rodion de four, or let, let's try to mix things up. And like they are, they're desperate to have a four on that team, in my mind, from watching this year, and it's just... If they add someone who is a ready-made player, he's already he's already what twenty-two. I don't want to get that wrong, but I feel Hachimura? like yeah. Let me check. Thank you, and I just feel like him on that team fits their timeline. Their team who twenty. He's only twenty. Wow, mm. I am totally wrong. Uh, so at twenty, whatever, he's doing awesome, and I think that he fits the timeline a whole lot better because he's got so much more experience than any other kid well, at this point in the draft. Going to be twenty-one February eighth. Oh, okay, and the thing go. I'm going to throw out there too is. You mentioned like, oh, the scoring down low. Yep. He has the ability for me to develop an outside game because yeah. he's before was like, oh, I didn't shoot that good. Like 28% is the highest I've shot from three. This year is shooting one more attempt per game. Yeah, it's only like 1.3 per game being attempted, which isn't a lot, but he's shooting 45%. So maybe, right. hey, we work on Just that. Just adding the we shot work to the that game volume. Yeah. changes and, the way people defend him. And the thing, too, with... Uh, Hachimura is he's very comfortable mid-range. Mm-hmm. So again, I talked about this with I think in Nasir Little. Yeah. Again, if you're comfortable in the mid-range, just again, it's all about practice. Start stepping up because you yep. have that form. You need to build up that ability to you know get your legs underneath mm-hmm. it and consistently. Um, you know to have that power to have that ability to drive through it. And it's not too much power to add onto your shot. 
it's more of a thing like, oh, it looks farther away, so I need to. You just need to get really that range yeah. down because, again, like you're just not, don't overdevelop your shoulders and fuck it up like Mark <laughs> Alfolds did when he tried to muscle up threes. Exactly. But uh, no, I love the I love the young nuts core, and I think that he is like a perfect fit to their timeline. Yeah, I, I don't really know exactly what they need, and I think he's the best healthy available player too. Yeah, I think that's something. He's too, proven. That's the difference between him and like mm-hmm. a lot of the guys after him. Is you go back to, you go, oh, here's a proven college player. And then let's go back to potential, potential, mm-hmm. potential, potential. And my thing, too, is like I brought up the bowl ball thing just because I kept saying when we were talking about it, yeah. he, he, what is he going to do? Is he going to mm-hmm. be able to stay healthy? He's uh, thin as a rail. And he obviously his father was not a guy who bulked up. Will he be able to add that bulk and be able to you know play in the NBA? Um, and obviously, you know, two months into college, he's getting injured. And yes, it wasn't like, you know, he, he hurt his foot, so it wasn't yeah. anything super horrible. Nobody um, snapped his leg in half, even though it looks like they could be done easily. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I just worry, though, again, how will he be able to hold up in the NBA for 82 yeah. games? This was 12 games that he ended up getting hurt for. But, so my, my worst fears already happened. That's why I cannot trust him in the top 10. Yeah, I I would have loved the fit, though, because I think at the four, he is a perfect fit for them. Like, mm-hmm. he comes Especially in, next to Jared Allen. big scorer, and yep. you got Aaron... Yeah, you have Jarrett Allen covering, being the big body down low. That way that he can just turn, help out with that defense, just reach over like three guys and just, you know, alter shots. Monster it. Yep, yep, absolutely. Before we get to our next segment, just want to drop our Patreon in. I know I did it last time, um, the end of the last segment, but I want to do it now because I was told to do it and I was going to do iTunes, Patreon, and then Blog Talk Radio. So I'm going to do Patreon now, patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, if you do want to be on a podcast, check out that $10 tier. You can come on it. Every single month, pick one topic and talk to your favorite podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. Uh, or you could even, you know, go at the five dollar range or the I two dollar range. That, two bucks a dollar gets you that exclusive Patreon podcast, mm-hmm. which, which are, are going to be really recorded. weird. Yes, extremely weird. I wonder what we're <laughs> going to talk about uh, when us three mm-hmm. do it. Uh, but we'll figure it out, and maybe you can listen if you become a patron. Uh, but let's move into the next segment. That's 11 through 20. Ricky, start us off. Well, starting off at number 11, the Utah Jazz going to go Nasir Little, the forward out of North Carolina. Then at number 12, the Celtics via the Grizz going with Dave Ball Ball. Did I say that right? Ball Ball? Not Ball Ball? Ball Ball? Just wanted to make sure I'm saying it right. Ball Ball, the center out of Oregon. Then his teammate, um, Lewis King, the forward, going at 13 to the Hawks via the Mavs. Then the Celtics via the Kings, going with Lugens Dort, the guard from Arizona State. Pistons at 15, going Darius Garland, the point guard from Vandy. Then at 16, the Hornets going with Brandon Clark, forward from Gonzaga. Then at 17, Sekou Demboya, the forward from France, going to the Heat at 17. Lakers t- taking the gaff man, Daniel Gafford, um, centered from Arkansas. 19, the Spurs go with Nikhail Alexander-Walker, guard from VT. And then rounding it out at 20, Celtics, again, this time via the Clippers, go with Charles Bassey, the center from Western Kentucky. Dave, 11 through 20. Sure thing. My number 11 pick is Keldon Johnson going to the Jazz. At 12, I've got Bull Bull going to the Celtics. At 13, I have Romeo Langford falling to the Hawks. 14, I've got the Celtics, another project, Seku Demboya. At 15, I've got the Pistons taking KZ Akpala. 16, Hornets going Brandon Clark. 17, I've got the Heat taking Kobe White. At 18, I've got the Lakers also taking Daniel Gafford. There's a theme here. At 19, I've got the Spurs going Jonte Porter. And at 20, I've got the Celtics taking Jackson Hayes. My guy! The guy I wanted to talk about last 1.0, 21 through 30. Loved yeah. him. See, you got, love seeing you guys come around. I see Ricky even got him, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, got him in his uh, I'm going to make well. a change because I didn't realize I have the Celtics going with two centers. Dietrich Lawson 
going to the Celtics at 20 mm-hmm. instead of yep. Charles Bassey. There you go. I mean, Bobo isn't for sure a second. I mean, I see it as a four. Yeah, he's a four five. You know what? I'll leave it then. Charles Bassey to the Celtics. All right, cool. Uh, my 11 through 20. Uh, 11, I have the Jazz taking Darius Garland, guard out of Vanderbilt. At 12, uh, the theme continues. Uh, <laughs> Bobo goes to the Celtics, uh, the center out of Oregon. 13, Hawks via the Mavs, go Keldon Johnson uh, out of Kentucky. 14, Celtics again, go Sekou Demboya. 15, Pistons go KZ Akpala. Dave and I look very similar outside of the <laughs> Keldon Johnson and Romeo Langford. Uh, 16, Hornets going Jonte Porter. 17, Heat going Lugans Dort. 18, we have the Lakers going Daniel Gafford. 19, uh, Spurs going Charles Bassey. And number 20, the Celtics going with my boy, Naz Reed fell off a little bit, but still love him. I don't care if he's lazy, love him. He's, he's, I love him. He's got all the talent in the world in his body. Like I said earlier, uh, he if puts we in picking, some hard work. If we were picking straight from the thirty guys in our mock draft to play two on two, and Zion was off the board, mm-hmm. I think Naz Reed would be my second one, just because I think in a two on two, one on one setting, Naz Reed would turn it up. When it comes to a team game, I don't know if he's really all there. If basketball <laughs> was a one on one sport, Naz Reed's a talented kid who could ball out. Anyways. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Celtics' three picks in this uh, segment. We're going to be talking about Bull Bull's injury. We're going to be talking about uh, Casey Akpala, uh, Jonte Porter, uh, the Lakers as well. And then we'll all talk about one prospect that we like. And let's start off with the big man, Bull Bull, uh, center out of Oregon. Uh, had surgery on his foot. He's going to be out for the rest of the season and has declared for the NBA draft. So, guys, let's talk about that injury. You guys mentioned it a little bit on the primetime podcast. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fully announced that he was going to be out for the season, but you were acting like yeah. it was. So are you not really shocked, is it? But is this the right choice from him, for him in your mind? Absolutely. Like I mentioned to Dave, because at the time where Dave and I talked about it, it was he had already missed three games. There was, like, no timetable for his return. Even mm-hmm. his coach, Dana Altman's like, yeah, he's being reevaluated where I'm like, that's not good when you're a big guy of his size with that injury. And I, to me, like, this is like, I just start slowly raising that red flag and I'm like, I'm not waving it yet, but it's here. And I've got my arm up. And the reason why some people might be, oh, it's a stupid question. Of course, go, you know, go into the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thing is, you know, is it going to tank his value so much? And so far it hasn't Dave, because obviously he's still a lottery pick, but you know, did you have any inkling that he should return or possibly try to push it back uh, to, to to return this season to try to at least save his draft stock and try to you know stay in the top ten? Or do you think this is a smart move? Do you, are, you, are you thinking in the line of like a Kevin Porter where he forced himself back at the end of the year just to be like, Michael Porter? Michael Porter, thank you. Yeah. Where he's like, look, I'm healthy. I can totally still play basketball. And then we haven't seen him in the NBA this year. I think the thing <laughs> more is that his was a like a I think Michael was doing it more to not give up on his team. Oh, okay. um, and I think that, you know, even if he performed well in that, like the, the, the medicals are still the medicals. Yeah. And that's what really raised red flags. And he had, even had to get a second surgery after he was drafted. Correct. Um, so maybe it's, you know, self-preservation, which I'm fine with. But I, I just worry, like, is it going to hurt his draft stock too much where if he came back next year, would he be able to be like a top five pick again? That's the only thing that I would be questioning and weighing. But then you also run the risk of injury. So. I mean- Here's the thing is he was mocked as, you know, a, basically a four through eight, you know, early on mm-hmm. because he is a seven foot two, three with a seven foot you know nine wingspan, someone something in that range. And he's potentially not done growing yet, because why not? I mean, that that doesn't change. His, his draft stock basically doesn't change unless it is a serious injury that has a chance of reoccurring at a high level. I think that's the thing is I'm happy it's not a back injury. I'm happy it's not a 
ACL, MCL. Like as far as injuries go, foot, you can have you can have an issue an issue with it. And yes, there is a chance it can reoccur and it could take you out, but it's not on the same level of severity as those other two injuries. Mm-hmm. So I say it's not the worst case scenario. He still is who he is. He's offensively gifted. He has a unique skill set and body size to do something that very few men in the NBA have ever done. So I think that he's pretty safe on his draft stock, and I would honestly not be surprised to see him stay right in that you know late lotto to mid lotto range. Like if he goes anywhere from like six to probably fifteen, I, I think he's locked in that rate. I don't think anyone could take. I don't think he makes it out of lottery. Zero chance he makes it out of lottery. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a better chance that if we see him healthy and moving come combine time or during workouts with a team, there's a chance he goes right back to where he was. I don't think there's any need for him to come back in college and play a, a single minute. I think that that's a safe bet on his end. And I think the thing with uh, what you were saying was he's, there's no way he's going to fall out of the lottery just because he is a risk. But correct. you look at the Celtics, the team that he's, we all had him going to is – you know, the first shot they had at him, they take him because the talent is there, but the health isn't. Yeah. And the Celtics have three picks in this range, and obviously they can take a shot and a gamble on this kid because if he is a top five talent and he doesn't have that injury, you know, if he if those injury problems exist, you as the Celtics, a playoff team with three picks in this range, go out and get the possible, you know, take a shot. Why not? Yeah. You have plenty There's of bullets no to waste. <laughs> um, so that's the thing where, you know, Maybe and they can the redshirt him too. Yeah. Like that's the thing is he he is on a timetable of his own to come back at this point, and that's the thing. I would not rush anything, and even if you feel like you're 100 healthy, go ahead and take some time in the NBA. Let the Celtics doctors decide what's best for you, because I don't think that there should be any rush to get you back playing because your body needs time to, um, uh, well, not only heal, but like he needs time to grow into his body a little bit yeah. better. And I don't know that he ever will. Like he'll never bulk up and be like yoked out, but like. I still think that there there is definitely some muscle he can put on in the right areas that'll help him sustain better at the NBA level. Not quite Harry Giles level bad where he had to like completely rehab for a full two years basically to get his knees back to the point of like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm a I'm a great athlete again. But I think that something along those lines can be done where he's not on that instant timetable to play his rookie year right off the bat, being on a team like the Celtics where they have, like you said, such draft capital and so many picks, and then they've got tons of contract room to make decisions. So I think that is like the ideal situation for him is that he falls to the Celtics. My biggest thing with at least, you know, Bobol is then the comparison of KP. And KP's mm-hmm. had six injuries since he turned pro. Yep. One of them was a foot injury. So it's like, is this already the signs of him cracking and breaking down? Again, this is set off by, you know, the, the reason why Michael Porter mm-hmm. went to the, the Nuggets and we all thought it was a steal, or I thought it was a possible yeah. steal after I did the drafting, was because this is a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're number one team in the West. They don't need a Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. But if he comes back and he's ever healthy, that's an immediate boost for yep. your team. So my thing with the Celtics is you don't need him right away. You could take this shot and not waste anything. But I do have serious concerns still about his career because he's mm-hmm. already getting injured. He's already breaking down. We haven't seen him go up against NBA-level bigs yet in his college career. What will he actually do at that next level is still a big question. And then also, can he even stay healthy to prove that? Mm-hmm. That's a big question I still have with Bobo. And well, that's and not going to go away with him getting injured. The first thing, before I go off into what you said, it's like I'm looking at a tweet from uh, Zam, Sam Viceni from The Athletic. And he says he wrote about Ball Ball. Most executives at that point felt that he was a risk, but a risk someone would likely plunge into taking somewhere in five to ten. Yeah. And then he goes, 
Yeah, foot injuries are big. Foot injury for bigs obviously makes that murkier. And for me, that's why if I'm in the top 10, wouldn't obviously with this foot injury as of right now, I wouldn't touch them. But the Celtics, the true question is, are they going to keep the picks? If they keep the picks, I'm right with you. Let's take them. Tell like, us money. I've got mm. how many? I've got what four picks to work with in this draft. Let me go ahead and take them. I can stash them. I can do whatever I want with them. Or they could use it if they're going to trade. Of like, hey, who wants this pick? Yeah, right now they're dealing with 12, 14, 18, and uh, sorry, 12, 14, 20, and 22. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the likelihood that they keep all four picks in your guys' mind? Is this something that they do use as ammo to make a trade? Not like an Anthony Davis trade or possibly an Anthony Davis trade. Do, is this ammo that they try to use to to make a trade to help this team now, or is it something that they use all of these picks and possibly try mm. to move up, or is it something that they're going to keep all four picks? What are your guys' ideas? Four first with? rounders for Justice Winslow. <laughs> my my, the fir- my first answer is Danny Ainge is still the GM, correct? Then zero percent that he keeps yeah. all of them. Um, I don't know if it's for a big free agent. I'm even thinking of well, maybe not free agent. well, like if it's like, hey, we're gonna use them for to get somebody from a different team. I, for me, they could move up. I'm thinking Danny Ainge, though. It's more of like, all right, 12 rolls around. Uh, who wants something? Because the guy that I want, I don't really want to reach for him here, and I want to try to get something out of you while giving you what yeah, you want they think up? They could, but, like, I look at Danny Ainge being the guy that's like, unless he really likes somebody that's ahead yeah. He's going to be like, hmm, the guy I really like is below 12. What, Who can I suck If there was a player this? in the top, say, 8 to 10 range, you know, from, from 1 to 10 range, like, who would they try, like, fit-wise? What do you think? Obviously, I'm taking Zion off. No one's going to mm-hmm. trade Zion basically for four mid-round firsts. Mm-hmm. But is there a prospect in that top grouping that you think the Celtics would find intriguing enough to move some draft capital for? Nope. The mm-hmm. only thing they I'm, need is a... Big who can rebound. They haven't been able to rebound for the past three years. Still have not been able to. I'm with you. They need somebody who can rebound. I do not see anybody who makes that happen. You don't need another wing on that team. You have Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If they want a Morris, obviously. Yeah, Morris as well. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You look at the guard position. They have Marcus Smart, Kyrie Irving, uh, Terry Rozier. Like, what does this team need outside of a rebounding big? I do not see that in the top. And that's not the top. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's my thought. Is there, I'm I'm with you, Ricky. I think there's only one guy. One guy. And that's Hachimura, but I wouldn't pull that trigger. I don't see him as a Like, he's the only one that I could see. Like, yeah, he's not a rebounding big, but like, if Danny Ainge falls in love with him and thinks that he's going to be a next great player in the league then the Celtics would pull a move. Otherwise, no. The one thing I will say, we talked about him in the first segment, Nasir Little, the Celtics would be a great spot for him because, A, he wouldn't be expected to contribute right away. Mm -hmm. He gets to work with Brad Stevens, which, like, if you're talking about, if it's like, hey, it's not Nasir's fault, it's the coaching's fault, Brad Stevens is not going to be like a guy that's as hard-headed as what it may seem like Rory Williams is. He'll actually work with Nasir, maybe get the most out of him in that year that we thought he'd be a project. That's with me more of like the Celtics is who can they take in that in this range is that they can develop and really because how many of these guys do you really say like, oh, I'm going to take him because he's going to contribute right away to this already nicely, um, I don't want to say stacked, but nicely um, put together team. Yeah, I I think that if. Bobo fell to the Celtics here. Brad Stevens would throw a fucking parade. 
Like <laughs> he just big old grammar like, yep, that's that's my pick. Next. I mean <laughs> I, I, I think there's very little hesitation on his mm-hmm. end because he's such a unique prospect. And the rest of them, they can look for stashes or they can try to trade back for future picks uh, going forward. If somebody feels like, hey, I really like Lugan Stort, and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm not feeling them. I'm not feeling them moving forward. Go ahead and you can jump up, take this pick from me, and I'll take yours next year. Well, I mean, I mean, it's Danny Ainge, so they're going to get like yeah, yeah. something I mean, dirty. You look at mine, if Darius Garland is still there, oh what, my God, are, what are the odds a team then jumps up to 12 to try to get that point guard that they want because yeah. of how. Like, that cliff of, like, John, and then everybody else. Well, here, let me change the question, then. Do you think they're going to come into the draft with four picks? And do draft they day do. trades, or do you think they're going to make trades I think it'll be, Yeah, I think it'll be draft day. They will be trades on draft day. Do they leave with all four? Probably not. They'll probably leave with maybe, unless they, like, swap picks, they might leave with four later, but they will not leave with the four picks that they originally had coming into the night. That's what I think. Right. Um, I... I, I think that they will not be picking four times. I agree with that. Mm. I think there possibly is a move to be made this year, and if, if it is, I definitely see them going after and trying to get a rebounding big at some point mm-hmm. This this before the, the trade deadline comes up. Um, not sure who their dancing partner will be, but I definitely think that, you know, again, like obviously they need scoring, and that's something that, you know, has not been consistently there um, for this uh, Celtics team. But they've but, got the guys. It's just you know you need a consistency out of them, and that's that's why I'm like night. you don't need like a big name player. You just need somebody who can rebound, and it's not like an Aaron Baines level player. Like you need somebody who can be like a kind of pushing Horford for that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that is a guy like you know Vucevic, and maybe you know you play with those picks and try to get the Magic to get rid of them for like you know that that twentieth pick or that eighteenth pick because you know the dip between Horford and Vucevic it is mm-hmm. there. Horford's a better player. But Vucevic is a better rebounder, and if you're you know struggling there, do you possibly try to get Vucevic, who's not going to bring down your offense, might even boost it a little bit with Horford, um, at least scoring wise, and then you know you have that rebounding big that comes in. I think that that's definitely in play that this team tries to go out and get gets a rebounding big this year to help them because Golden State looks weak. Mm-hmm. You know Milwaukee, have, uh, although they've been fantastic. I don't think they're uh, a for sure NBA contender yet. Same with Toronto. Toronto and Milwaukee haven't proved it yet. This is the Boston team that's gotten to the fi- uh, conference finals two years in a row. Uh, so I think this is something that, you know, try to get that piece to fully make this the deepest team in the NBA. Use this draft capital. And, you know, draft day's not really going to help you this year. And I think the Celtics are in a position to make a move this year to help them win this year. Because, again, the, the, the teams in the NBA – it's more even than it's yeah. ever been, but it's not as top-heavy as it was with Golden State. I think the East is more winnable than mm-hmm. it's ever has been, and I think the Finals is more winnable than it's ever ever has been. So with what the order, let's say the order is what we have right now, and I'm using my mock, obviously, as the, um, as the blueprint because both of you had Garland going before the Celtics 12 pick. For me, if I'm the Celtics, I would maybe think about moving that 14th pick and maybe doing a pick swap with the either the Pistons, Hornets, or Heat, because those can all be teams. The Pistons, I obviously have them go Darius Garland because I'm not sold on their point guards right now, and if he's there, go ahead and take him. The Hornets, if they're not really sure that uh, Kemba's going to sign long-term, they might be in a little bit of panic mode, Mm-mm. like, do we get that point guard? He's still there. And the Heat, like, the only oh. point guard on their roster is... 
Goran Dragic, he is the player op. Obviously, I think he's going to accept that, but he's the only true point guard you have on your roster. They could even trade up um, three spots for a point guard, and then the Celtics could trade down, and then they get maybe a center that they like, and they get closer to Gafford's range and could take Gafford at either like 16 or 17, and then boom, there's a guy that helps you in exactly what you need. For sure. Um, Give you that sexy name for a rebounder they should go after before the season's over. Ed Davis. Good old Nets. Brooklyn call, likes him a lot. Brooklyn. Brooklyn likes him a lot, to be fair. But I think for uh, for front pick, you know, anybody's movable. What's that mm-hmm. Davis's contract like? Uh, Didn't he have a bad contract? No. No, it was 4.4. They, yeah, I say, they got him on a good deal, hmm. honestly. Nice. And he, was, he's an energy guy. He was only six for Portland. So, yeah, that's not a bad deal. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. Good energy guy, great rebounder. I feel like it needs to be if you're if you're trading a first though. Oh, you're not gonna get a first for him up you need straight a, out. Yeah. You need a little bit. No, like you need a little bit. Like if you're giving up a first, you need more. That's what I'm saying. To yeah. Ed Davis more. is not worth a first round pick yeah. on his own. But, but like Ed Davis, the twenty eighth and Or or what if yeah. D'Angelo Russell is thrown in the mix for two firsts. Ooh. So D'Angelo Russell. Ed Davis, I don't know what's going back to Brooklyn. Kyrie better break a leg. That's what um, we're expecting. That's why they need D'Angelo Russell so bad. They need some ice in the veins. No, but hell, I mean, it's going to bring <laughs> offensive firepower, and he's going to be a restricted free agent. Like, And you just paid a ton of money to Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, I don't know. Get something for the kid. You're crazy. I know. You're crazy, Joe Rogan. I'm, it's so hot in here. So I know. I'm just throwing out anything. Uh, let's move on, though. Uh, let's go to KZ Akpala. That's the next in the order, because then we got the Lakers and uh, Jonte Porter coming up. Uh, Dave, we both have him going to the Pistons. Ricky, you have him going to the Pacers. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say why Dave and I are so high on him yet. Why do you have him at 27? What are you seeing that possibly we are? What are you seeing that we possibly aren't? I, guess? I am just not. I, I feel like from you guys and mainly Dave over here. Um, Dave has said before he falls in love in the hype train. Well, he falls in love with players and then he drops them quicker than like. Look at Lugan's door. <laughs> you were so high on the first mock. Now you're like, well, he's trash. He's out of here. He hasn't played well in four games. So it's like I feel I'm a like man I feel like KZ. It's like I with said me, later. I'm not high on him. He is rising on mine. He's now in my mock. I just. Maybe a little bit of me, especially from Dave's mock, is like, oh, this is the guy Dave's high on. Let's see in the third if he's still high on him. <laughs> I just see that so far what I have seen from him, the kid's a stud. And maybe he's not playing up against the best competition. I just called Pac-12 trash. Yeah. But seeing his ability, seeing his ability to score, seeing his handle, like you said, he was a guard that sprouted up. Yep. I'm loving what I'm seeing from this kid. And I, I do think that he does have the potential to push lottery. I don't know if he's that next level. Yet, but I do think he can have that ability to push and possibly push that envelope to be a lottery pick. Um, what downsides do you see of his game, though, Dave? Uh, he's still growing his shot. It's He's got a solid form to it, but the confidence isn't there yet. Ball handling-wise, he has a really good handle for a guy of his size. I think he's still very much learning how to use that size to his advantage. He doesn't work the low post nearly as much as he could at 6'8 right now. Uh, and honestly, the matchups he gets are usually advantageous to his end, so... I'd like to see him start to use that more. He's got a quick stride to the lane, and when he's in the paint, I'd like to see him finish more. He settles for floaters uh, and, and some weak layup-ish, I guess. It looks like he's just throwing up there sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see him. Obviously, he's a young kid, and I get it. Like, he grew into this all of a sudden. It, it's sudden growth. So, like, he doesn't have the muscle there yet to really body down low. 
But what I'd love to see is he puts on some muscle. He's got a great handle for a guy and for his size at 6'8". I'd love to see him aggressively throw down more because he does it a couple times. You're like, oh, shit. When he does that and you watch him, it's like three strides to the lane. It's like, oh, it's so clean. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't rely on that as much as he could because it's just free points. So all around, ton of potential. Yes, absolutely ton of potential. Defensively, you're on, you're basically going, he plays okay defense. He has the potential to play better because of his size and his frame. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's just we're, we're not going to see it at this level. That, yeah. That's my thoughts. He's he's a guy, too, that, you know, uh, he, he grew in high school, um, and it's just insane that he, you know, sprouted as much as he did. And then the other thing, too, in, in reading about him, uh, his parents are from Nigeria, mm-hmm. and one thing that I read and really stuck out, his parents never told him to never stop working. And, like, you read yeah. stuff like that, and, you know, we talk about a guy like Jalen Brown who came out of the Pac-12 who always wanted to get better, always wanted to learn. Like, I, I don't know what Jalen Brown has to do with Casey Akpala, but at least think about mental attitude, makeup. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's something that is huge. And with being a guy who grew up as a guard, um, we saw this in Anthony Davis, um, you know, having that ability and ha- being able to exploit people who aren't your size um, with your speed and your handles and then also being able to grow, that's why I'm not too worried about the shot. That's why I'm not too worried about um, the body because once you hit the NBA, you'll be able to fill out a little bit more. And this kid has a lot to fill out because he yeah. is 6'9", grew you know a ton in high school um, and never really filled out a ton. And he looks like he's even got skinnier from high school to uh, college. <laughs> he didn't put on weight. He just got taller. Exactly. He just stretched him. Um, well, no, but even, even in high school, he was 6'8", and he looked like chunky. Now he looks like he did the opposite of a freshman 15. <laughs> Um, and like lost some weight or yeah. something. Uh, he's fitting in at 6'9", 180. Like this kid has room to yeah. grow. Um, and he came in as, uh, as a four-star prospect. Like he does have this ability um, that was seen in high school. And it's not like it came out of nowhere. And you see it now translating to college. The biggest thing that I do want to see is just, you know, him go up against better competition and what he's going to do in a night in, night out basis. What's your laughing at, Ricky? I, I'm going through Twitter, and one of the tweets is, Bill Walton just asked if KZ Akpala is related to Jay-Z. <laughs> that's that's <sounds laughs> pretty good. Do you, think he's, do you think he can sustain the high level of shooting he's at right now, though? That's the thing I wonder. I'm like, 47% from the field and 48% from three on just under three attempts a game. I think that mm-hmm. is... Look, his shot's good, but like I don't think it's that good. Well, one no thing, offense to him. One thing you look at it is you look at the game against Kansas. Mm-hmm. You know, big game, goes up and shoots three of five from three. Up against UNC, goes one of two from three. Um, and you look, uh, going to Kansas again, this is at Allen Fieldhouse of all places. Goes five of six from the line. Um, there's some shaky nights where it's like six of 12 against San Jose, for, San Jose from state. Uh, six of 12 from the line against San Jose State. But again, like there's 11 of 13 game against Seattle. Like, He's shooting 74% from, from the line, which mm-hmm. doesn't make me worry too much about right. a shot. Um, and again, being a guard, like, you know, that really taught you to, like, shoot from the outside and try to exploit using your speed. Um, but, you know, it's when you're a guard of that size, I know I'm not a crazy, talented basketball player, but my options when I was playing basketball, at least, you know, in grade school, was either drive to the lane and, you know, attack the basket, which I was afraid to do, yep. or chuck up a ton of threes. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, the ability of getting into the mindset of shooting is there. Well, um, and I think that's something that is big for a player is you have that mindset and you can always work on it. And again, going back to what I talked about with his parents, giving him that work ethic, if he's able to take that work ethic, putting into a shot, I think that it can become consistent. KZ Akpala, to me, what I think is, and what kind of plays into this too is, 
conference play is going to hurt him, I'm going to say, because I feel like he's going to be underrated, overlooked, because the Pac-12 is overlooked, where it's like, what big teams, what big stars do you have in the Pac-12? No one stays up late to watch Pac-12 games. Thanks, Brandon. Um, But, I mean, the thing that I look at is the biggest thing that will help him is if he can bring Stanford to the tournament. If he brings them to the tournament, get that national eye on him, then he'll be, that'll help his draft stock more than, oh, he played well against the Pac-12, now he's going to the NIT. You're the college guy. Is there a chance Stanford makes the tourney? I mean, they could win the Pac-12. Like, anything is possible. The field is so big. Being that Oregon's completely injured this year? I mean, Oregon's completely injured. Lewis King right now hasn't been having the best start since coming off of his injury. And, I mean, Sean did mention, like, some of the other games, like, yeah, they lost against Wisconsin and lost against um, Florida, but that Wisconsin game was close. They took Kansas, who was the number two team, to overtime. Yes, I know they lost, but if they win enough of these conference games, and let's say they win the regular season crown, they win the tournament crown in the Pac-12, that could be enough. I just think... That's should be, that has to be the goal for interesting. KZ you bring up Wisconsin, Florida, his two worst games on the year. His mm-hmm. two worst, but I mean, going two of twelve from the field against Wisconsin I mean, and just one of five against well, Florida. Twi- and doesn't that show like if he's not putting up twenty a game in they're the biggest games, mm-hmm. they're not going to win. So I think that but shows also, that he's important to the team. Is he not a big time player if when he's well, faced with? Top level, mm-hmm. top go, level competition. Go look at Kansas, the number two team in the I league. Know, they took I'm him just, to OT. Yeah, you look at against you know this year little UNC. I don't think that's it. And I like I, the guy a lot, and I'm trying to bring the, myself well, back down to reality, and, Sean. And the thing with KZ is, I know Twitter is a interesting place, um, but just looking at some of the tweets from the U, uh, the UCLA game that happened yesterday, yeah. it's really hit or miss. Like there's some that's like some team's going to be dumb enough to take KZ Akpala in the first round of the lottery. Then there's other ones like feel like KZ Akpala will end up being the best NBA player out of all the guys in this UCLA Stanford oh, okay. game. So it's like it's really like you either love him or you kind of hate him. Where it's he, like KZ is their right best now. player. You've got other ones that are like I don't care how bad the Pac-12 is. KZ Akpala's game mm-hmm. is built for a modern NBA. Yeah, and I think one thing too is if it, we'll see when the talent gets tested, most mm-hmm. likely if he does make it to the title. And you know, right now they lose to UCLA, and you know it was a ninety mm-hmm. to seventy-two game, wasn't close. But again, like you know, you were mentioning, there's no killers in the Pac-12. Uh, they got USC coming up, Arizona, Arizona State, Washington. Like their toughest are probably going to be Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, if we're talking historically, mm-hmm. UCLA obviously just fired the coach. That's so not great. That they lost to him, but I, I think we'll have to wait a little bit more once we get mm-hmm. into conference play because not only you know is he not going up against great competition, but he is conference play, and those games are always a little bit tougher. They are a little bit more heated. They're going to yeah. see you twice. What is he going to do against UCLA the next time? Is he going to be able to pop off again at home? Exactly. So like I think one thing too that's going to be big is. How are you going to do the second time a team sees you? Are they going to be able to slow you down? That's a big thing that I think also plays into this uh, that I'll be looking for uh, KZ uh, during uh, conference play. Uh, let's move to Jonte Porter. We're going to get rid of the Lakers. Uh, they need a center pretty much. JaVale McGee's uh, on a one-year deal. We all go Daniel Gafford because Zubak is there. But, mm-hmm. again, how much mobility does he have? Tyson Chandler is also going to be possibly going to. You yep. need some bodies to fill out there. Daniel Gafford, I mentioned it last time. 
pretty athletic kid. I think that he's got a JaVale possible mold to grow into uh, in some ways. So I, yeah. think, I think it would just be a natural fit. And he's probably the best talented player, uh, at least at that position and, and available. Most proven, uh, at least. For, yeah, for center. I mean, Jackson Hayes is there, but I think we'll, we'll talk about a little yeah. bit uh, in the 21 through 30. Uh, let's just get to Jonte Porter. Um, I have him going 16. Uh, Dave, you have him going 19. Uh, and then, Ricky, you have him going 26. My thing with Jonte is this kid was a top 14 pick before he got injured, uh, or before he uh, went back into the uh, draft. Uh, he pulled out of the draft lotto. last year. Um, we had him late lotto, and then he pulls out because he wanted to go back to school, mm-hmm. got injured. Um, the talent is there, and in this draft class, I do not think you pass up talent. So if he's healthy, he's going to be probably pushing a lottery again because he was a lottery player this, last year. This is a worse draft. It's just deductive reasoning. I don't see a reason why he cannot be a lottery pick again. And I, I think when it comes to draft time, he will be pushing in that 17 to 12 range because, again, this is a kid that had talent, was showing it last year, and the biggest questions about him will be injuries. And obviously, you look at his brother, his brother's dealing with injuries, but it's all a different of injury. And all but, those knee injuries as well. But is it? can you have genetically bad knees? I it have could. no idea. I'm not a doctor. So yeah. My question is, he's the guy who notoriously came in out of shape and unathletic to the combine, now coming off of an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that not just completely scare you? Like That's literally the reason like he... He we went back because he had the worst. I think it was uh, cone drill, mm-hmm. like ever. Like he he was so unathletic, but and short, you know, angular movements. It was just my I, thing. I'm just saying. My thing right now is people deserve second chances. Okay. And if he does come in in shape and he does come in motivated with an ACL injury, how well can you prep yourself? No, for sure. And and but that's the reason why he's taking a whole season off. Yeah. Um, so if he does come to that point and he does show that he is healthy, he does show that he's motivated, he does show that he took that time to grow as a person and as a player, I think he's going to be It was ACL and MCL, wasn't it, for Jonte? Yeah, it's both, but it, yeah. I think it's it's still the same time length. Because yeah. if, if, typically if you tear one, you're tearing the other. Yeah. I think that's how that works. Um, you know, Obviously there can be solo ACL tears, but if you're tearing mm-hmm. that part, they're so joined and connected that they end up both tearing or both being at least uh, a doctor on this podcast. They, I just, they both being at least suffered. For me, I look at it and I mean, it's not all of like, yes, the, the whole thing that your entire family and that both of your sisters have had multiple knee injuries doesn't really help because I look at that and go, Hmm, I wonder if it's just weak knees in that family. If it's just, there's something in your genes going on. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But I look at it when Probably you say when you say twelve to seventeen, twelve is way too high. I look at this like I look at this knee injury and I go for the position that you play. You know what? I'm I wouldn't take you at twelve. I would maybe take him. Seventeen would be the highest that Why I would think that? about because it. Because at twelve right now we have Ball Ball who is injured, who has questions about because one's health. a knee, one's a foot. Like one seven three, who has genetically shown that yeah. is not able to add on muscle mm-hmm. and might not be able to add on muscle at all. And seven three players have much more injury concerns than six eleven players. There's, the ceilings are very different as well. But also the floors both are both. completely different. Say Bobo's like healthy floors, like what Boban. And, and let's be yeah. honest, one of the <laughs> Boban level impact. I'll and speak for me. One of the only reasons of his health. I have yeah. ball ball at twelve is you look at the ce- ceiling. Look at the team I had him go to. Mm-hmm. The Celtics, they could make that take that risk. Yeah, we all if had they, that idea. Yeah, yeah, if they weren't there, he wouldn't be going at twelve. Like he'd be falling even further if I didn't like if I didn't think, hey, the Celtics could take this risk. 
he would not be going to the Celtics, the Hawks, or the Celtics. And I think Pistons probably wouldn't would. take him. I, well, but here's the thing: I think Jonte's less of a risk than Bobo when it comes to health, mm-hmm. because seven three players do not hold up. There's, I mean, they're fantastic to watch. They're special, but there's reasons why a lot of these seven mm-hmm. footers do not have mobility. Uh, you know, throughout their yeah. whole career. I mean, Shaq was one of the most mobile and mm-hmm. dominant players. But there was a sign at 33, he starts slowing down. There's so much body pressure that you're putting on. Like, seven-footers are not able to be full-time athletes and that's why throughout their life because of how much Ball they're carrying Ball's around. draft stock could continue to go, on, go down. 100%. I just, I don't, I, and Jonte's not seven feet. That's I also why. never had Jonte as high as 12. Like, the highest I would have had him completely healthy right now would maybe be about 15. So, like, the middle of that range to that 17 where now it's like, okay, that injury, if he comes back healthy and has a great combine, then all of this is moot. But at this point, knee injury, knee injuries run in your family. It seems I would be nervous about taking him in the top 20. I I understand. that. I I, I understand that you can be worried about that, but I'm just saying like, if he is healthy, he comes in motivated. I would not be surprised if he jumps up to 12, because again, I think that, you know, Keldon Johnson, you know, I think he's a, a more intriguing prospect. Mm-hmm. But if you're not looking for a three, you're not looking for a two, a two, three combo, then you're not looking at him. If you do not believe Sekou Demboya is going to be a true project, uh, then you'll probably go with him. But it looks like Sekou is going to be a problem uh, project. He's going to take time. He's going to need work and love. That's why we're giving him to the Celtics, because the Celtics have that ability to store someone overseas or mm-hmm. at least work with him. Uh, we saw that with uh, Gershon. Uh, yeah, Yabuzli. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I was, I was listen, watching the Gordon Hayward highlights. I think they were saying it differently, so I started second-guessing myself. Yeah. Uh, KZ, again, another project as well. Is he going to be a guy that can add on that? And is he a guy that's just performing against a weak schedule? Uh, we talked about that already. Jonte, if he comes in, he's shown that he can be a starter. Like He has the ability to be a stretch four in this league, shoot from yeah. the outside, be athletic. Uh, be a guy that can just be an all-around Athletic player. is he's questionable. A, he's a safe player. He's a safe player. <laughs> you and know, if, if his slings... shot's clean, and I absolutely agree. I think that, yeah, his floor is much better. I'm not super concerned. Like, injury sucks. Don't get me wrong. But I, I'm not super concerned with this being a consistent, like, oh, it's it's in the family genes that he's always going to be injured. And so like I, it's, just... I think it's interesting that that has all happened. It's and maybe really there is unlucky. something there, but I do not have a medical degree. So really no unlucky idea. in my mind. Yeah, that's why I just... I think he's he's late lotto at best. I don't know that he will stand out because like last year, I looked at last year. I was like, yes, he got better as the year went on. Yes, he had he had a great shot from the outside and a stretch four in the NBA, super valuable right now. But I don't know that it pushes into the point where a team is going to be like, I can see building around him, or I can see him being like a Mm-mm. three on my t- a two or three kind of like. But, you know, then I look who can I build around, and I think that cutoff goes from ball ball. If you look at mine, I think you know even Hachimura is pushing building around. I think there's there's he's an intriguing prospect, right? right. Um, but that's but that's the state of this draft. I, I right? do not think Kelton Johnson you could build around. Sekou Naboya, I'm not sure. Casey yeah. Akpala, I'm not sure. Dort, I am not sure. Gafford, Bassley, Bassey, hell no. Nas Reed, I'd love if you could build around him. <laughs> uh, but like Jonte, yeah, Jonte, I think he might be the safest out of all of them. Because, again, he was putting up, what, 18 and 10 last year? Nazareth isn't doing that on a worse team. Uh, Dort isn't doing that. Akpala isn't doing that. Like, he brings something that some guys haven't brought, and he was a freshman doing that. So I I think Porter does have a solid resume. If he's able to come in, produce, it's going to be interesting. 
Uh, let's move now to the Jackson guys. Jackson did not put up those numbers for the whole year, by the way. Was it per His 36 year then? average was like nine, six, and two. Just, really? Yeah. He had he had he had a string of great games at the end against Vandy, Arkansas, Georgia, where each game he had like twenty four. Uh, shit, is that yeah, like. 24, 7 and 6, per- 19, 8 and 4, and 20, 8 and 2. Like, he, he definitely played up at the right time of the year. He played, he only played 24.5 uh, minutes per game, and I think his, his per 40 is 16, 11, and, thir- okay. and 4, pretty much. Yeah. Like I so, said, that's, he I think that's what I was taking. On, my bad. Yeah. Also, last thing I do want to mention this is from the New York Times. Um, there was a study done at the Ohio State University and Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Their study says. Their takeaway is to look at your family. If you have a first-generation relative, a sibling, or a parent who has torn an ACL, you are likely to be at an above-average above risk. So, yeah, it runs in the family. No, that doesn't mean it runs in the family. Like, it's not genetic. It just means you're like, at a risk. And the risk happens. It's the same as heart if they re- it's the same as If they retore it, it? you'd be at an above-average risk to re-tear that ACL. That's how I'm reading but this I scientific it's information. It's one study. Well, that's a yeah, and I mean, one I study, but I mean, heart disease. That's we're not doctors. What I would go that's, into. That's what I'm saying. We should not be talking about that. Give me your prospects for who I'm prospect about. Lewis King. Uh, for me, I'm high on him still. <laughs> I don't um, understand why. Tell me why I should be interested I, I in feel this bum playing an organ. He's who's not, not a, even playing. Well, let's get the B word out of here. He's not a bum. Um, he's it's a, 95 degrees he's in here. He's a guy Ricky. coming off <laughs> of an injury. That, yes, I am a little <laughs> concerned that, I mean, in the, what, eight games that he's played, he hasn't really popped off. And the best that he popped off was Omaha, where he had 11 points. I still Woo! like what he brings to the table, how I feel like he is going to be the Lonnie Walker of this draft class, which was injured early, eventually finds his footing by the late of the season come tourney time, gets drafted in the middle, late lottery um, even maybe if he falls out of the lottery a little bit, um, that could happen as well. But he's a guy I like what he brings to the table. I like his shot. I just wish he was putting it a little bit together now coming off of his injury. Mm-hmm. But it's only been eight games since he started play on December 8th. The Lonnie Walker thing is interesting. Obviously, uh, a little bit different players because I think uh, Lewis King is a little bit uh bigger. He's 6'9", mm-hmm. yeah. uh, But Lonnie Walker, according to 24-7 Sports, he was a 16th ranked prospect coming mm-hmm. out. Uh, Lewis King, 20. So mm-hmm. around the same spot, too, and then obviously the injuries mm-hmm. are, are similar. It's an interesting so comparison draw. my question is, why is he so high unproven when a player, I know there's slightly different positions, but a player like Grant Williams, who I feel like has a similar skill set at a smaller position, is so much lower. It's exact- But he's also performing at a much higher rate. It's exactly what you said about Grant Williams to me just off the position? podcast is not just position, He's an older player that doesn't know exactly what it is yet. And if I'm drafting at 13, I'm not wasting that pick on a Grant Williams. Whereas Lewis King, there's a little bit more potential for me for me to make that pick over a Grant Williams. I'm just saying Grant Williams is producing at a pretty great rate right now. And I, I just I'm not bought in on Lewis King, I guess. That's I've yet mm-hmm. to be wowed by him. I don't think he has lottery, you know, lottery or late lotto, like whatever talent. And I just think that I would be surprised if he goes before 20, and I don't know if he's a lock for the first round even at this point because he was injured. We've seen limited play, and in that limited play, well, I've been on and, and that reflects, in, at least in our opinions, as uh, none of us had uh, Lewis King in our 
in our in our uh, you and I did yeah. not have him in our mock draft. So I, I think the risk is there. I think it's he's an intriguing prospect, and I, I think the Lonnie Walker comparison that you made, Ricky, is is very intriguing because mm-hmm. again, I don't know if he's going to be able to make that rise that Lonnie Walker did. Um, but again, like seeing where they came out of high school, very similar. Mm-hmm. Seeing the injuries and, and seeing if he can make that rise, it's now making that next step. But yep. I, th- I think it is a very interesting comparison. Uh, Dave, talk about your prospect. My prospect. I don't even know who my prospect is anymore, man. All right, I'll just take it and do uh, Naz Reed real quick. Uh, yeah. Naz Reed is the greatest player of all time. Uh, he is a basketball god. Uh, per 36, I don't think you guys have ever seen numbers like this. Uh, 22 points per game, mm-hmm. 10 rebounds per game. So good. Two assists per game, one and a half blocks a game, and one and a half steals. Name a time a player's ever done that. Uh, I'm just intrigued by him just because, again, this is a fairly weak draft class. I see the athlete in him. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, obviously, you, you bring up the mention of not being able to be engaged in the game the whole time, but I think it is something that if he is engaged, I think he can be a really dominant player uh, on the offensive end. Maybe not defensively ever, um, but you know we see guys like Cat, and I don't think he's ever going to be Cat level. But you know we see guys that have value offense only. Maybe like he turns into like an Urson in, in some ways. Uh, he turns into a guy like Marco Bellinelli in some ways. I think that he can be an, an offensive specialist because we saw him pop off for for a ton of points before. And in one of their biggest games against Furman, he didn't get over twenty minutes. He started the game only got nineteen minutes. That's worrying. But if he is locked in and motivated, he has been able to show that he can dominate a game. So if he's able to grow, especially once we hit SEC time, uh, they're going to start January 8th. Uh, maybe we do see his uh, game pick up. And there's going to be a stretch that I'm definitely interested in. Uh, Wednesday, February 6th, they play at Mississippi State. They're currently ranked. Uh, February 9th, they play versus Auburn. They're currently ranked. And then February 12th, they play uh, at Kentucky. They're currently ranked as well. They also got uh, Tennessee on February 23rd. So some interesting games that I I will be intrigued in uh, for him to go up against. Also, he's going to go up against uh, good old Daniel Gafford on the 12th. So it's going to be interesting to uh, see him take on uh, a player that we do have ranked. Uh, in our mm-hmm. top uh, 30. So uh, that is going to do it. You have a guy or you want to pass I mean, on? my guy was Bull Bull. Like, forgot that that was even a thing before this thing we discussed that. You guys <laughs> just want your Bull Bull rant anyway. Uh, Jackson Hayes, I'll just give a shout out. Like, he's a very uh, intriguing prospect right now. Just purely defensively, looks impressive at Texas. I think that's going to warrant a look from a lot of teams looking for a center who is a uh, basically just going to be a monster defensively, can grab you boards, doesn't have anything fancy to his offensive game. He barely has an offensive game, but that can develop in time. So mm-hmm. I looked at a team like the Celtics to be like, eh, grab a spot at the end of the bench. Yeah. We'll teach you. I, I like the pick. Yeah. I like the pick. I like the guy uh, I brought him in last time, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that you guys uh, saw saw what I saw on him mm-hmm. to, to put him 1.0, and I'm, I'm glad that I see him uh, at Ricky at 24 and uh, alongside me with uh, him going to the Warriors. But let's move into the final topic. Before we get to Ricky, Dave, and Mize, uh 21 through 30, just want to throw out, uh, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, stay up to date. Check us out, twitter.com uh, slash mostvaluablepod or at mostvaluablepod as well. You can talk to us. Uh, hit us up in the DMs. I, I, I always got Jake talking to us, uh, our boy uh, Bilal, uh, Bilal Chemist, or mm-hmm. Negro Damas used to go by. Uh, you know, some people come here and there. So if you want to slide in to the DMs, uh, at mostvaluablepod, talk draft with us. Uh, but let's jump in. Uh, Ricky, give us your 21 through 30. So my 21 through 30, it, it always throws me off when we get this far down because you're like, give us your one through 10. I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot that we do that. Um, but 21, the Blazer is going to take Dietrich Lawson forward from the Kansas Jayhawks. Then at number 22, Ty Lawson of the Duke, Duke Trey Blue Devils. Trey Jones. You said Ty um, Lawson. Yep. I said Ty Lawson. Mine's going to be Ty Lawson. <laughs> 14 years of 
Hey, man. Gone by. I'll use the same excuse you guys have. It's hot in here. But Celtics take Trey Jones from Duke. Then the Rockets at 23 going Killian Tilly um, from Gonzaga. Then Sean's boy Jackson Hayes, the center from Texas, going to the Warriors at 24. Then 25, the 76ers go Grant Williams, the forward from Tennessee. 26, Jonte Porter from Mizzou going to the Thunder. At 27, KZ Akpala from Stanford going to the Pacers. Then at 28, the Nets via the Nuggets go at Shamori Pons, the guard from Jake from uh, St. John's. Jake, I got your back on that one. Then at number 29, the Spurs via the Raptors go with Bruno Fernando from Maryland. And the Bucks, they're going to end it out taking Iz- Iggy Brazdikis, the forward from Michigan. I don't know if it was right, but good try. Uh, Dave, 21 to 30. Totes, 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 totes. Uh, at uh, 21, I've got P.J. Washington going to the Blazers. At 22, I've got Trey Jones from Duke going to the Celtics. 23, Lugan Stewart. Big faller. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just fell out of love. He's going to the Rockets. Dave just pushed him off the train. Carson Edwards going to the Warriors at 24. At 25, I've got the 76ers taking Goga. Last name. Patazde. Patazde. I think that's how we found it. Yep. Goga Patazde going to the 76ers. Building that depth. At 26, I've got the Thunder going Admiral Schofield. At 27, I've got the Pacers going to kill Alexander Walker. At 28, I've got the Nets taking Grant Williams. 29, the Spurs taking Luka, not that Luka. And, 20, and at 30, I've got the Bucks taking Iggy. At 21, I have the Blazers going P.J. Washington from Kentucky. 22, I have the Celtics going Kobe White from UNC. 23, I have the Rockets going Trey Jones from Duke. 24, I have the Warriors going Jackson Hayes out of Texas. 25, I have the 76ers going Nikiel Alexander-Walker from Virginia Tech. 26, Thunder going Carson Edwards from Purdue. 27, Pacers going Eric Pascal uh, from Villanova. 28, Nets via the Nuggets taking Luza, not that, Luca, not that Luca, semantic, or semantic? Semantic. Semantic. Uh, 29, Spurs via the Raptors going Matthias Thibault. And then uh, 30, uh, Bucks going Admiral Shelfield. That is not a made-up name for uh, Matthias. We'll get to him a little bit later. <laughs> uh, we're talking Blazers, Rockets, 76ers in this round of teams. And then we'll do uh, a couple prospects that we want to talk about just briefly at the end of it. Uh, let's start off with the Blazers. We picked them because we said this is the team most likely to fall out of the 21 through 30 range, not only because they have the worst record right now and they're picking 21, uh, but I think mostly it's because we didn't believe they were a playoff team before this season, and you have teams like the Lakers, the Spurs, uh, even you know the Jazz down in the the, the, the second uh, you know tier yep. uh, picking that could always rise up. So with the Blazers, do you think they need young talent to revitalize this team in any way? And if so, what position do you think they need to revitalize? I'll go to Dave first. I believe they do. I, I believe they would benefit from adding young talent, especially at the four position, uh, three or four, honestly, either one of them. I have a fear that the Blazers are going to take another like combo guard just because that's their jam. They're <laughs> really all in on that for whatever reason. I think we were a little disrespectful before the start of the season. We all made mention of it. It was like, Look, they were the three seed last year in the playoffs, and we all were like, I don't know, just seems like they're going to shoot the bed for some reason. Hasn't completed yet, but we'll still see to see if they fall back out of that range. I mean, let's be honest. They were coming off of that terrible playoff series Well, they got as embarrassed. Well. Like, that was the last thing that we saw yeah. in our minds I, coming I, into I this year. I fully. Well, and don't we always say that good old, uh, what's his name? Now I'm blanking on the, the head coach's name. Uh, Terry Stotts. Uh, he's a great regular season head coach and always chokes in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Poop to bed. Uh, but I, I absolutely love the fit here. I think that this is the right guy for them as long as they stay in the right range, within like 
four or five picks probably. I think that P.J. Washington is an absolute stud for them. He's a second-year player at Kentucky. You don't see those too often. Mm -hmm. And he has definitely benefited from that second year. He is an aggressive shot blocker, great rebounder. And I think the limited minutes and, like, this really focusing on his own skill set to get better and be a high-impact player in those limited minutes definitely has increased his draft stock. And also, like, I could see his fit so much cleaner in the NBA right now than we could a year ago, even going up to, like, just at the end of the tournament for Kentucky. I, I really a lot of concerns about him. This has been a great turn for him, and he's even improved his shot in the offseason as well, uh, shooting a respectable uh, number from three. Not not a high-value guy, but enough mm-hmm. to make them be honest. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree, and that's why I have him going in the same position as well, uh, going to the Pacers, uh, you, or the Blazers. Uh, you look at that team, obviously they have Nurkic, they have Zach Collins. Those guys are, uh, well, obviously Nurkic is going to be on that team for a while. Collins is a burgeoning, you know, you hope so. budding star, yep. uh, you you feel like. Oh, yeah. uh, but if not, a guy like P.J. Washington doesn't really put too much pressure on uh, Zach Collins, but I think he does at least take pressure off of him, which I think is, is good. Because P.J., uh, so far, I've, I've liked the position and the growth that, that you have seen from him. But I think he also does bring a little bit of a different game uh, than you see from Zach Collins. Zach Collins... Very hyper athletic, uh, you know, an extremely talented kid. Hasn't really gotten that three point shot down uh, yet, but you look at PJ Washington, he has that ability to stretch out, still bring athleticism, uh, still bring some passing to his game as well. Um, and, and and I think he brings a nice change of pace. They're both still athletic. They can both still spell each other, um, but still a little bit of a different game. Uh, but I think a crossover is, uh, is similar enough where there's not too much of a drop off. Like not one of them is going to be super great offensively, and the others, you know, super great defensively. I think there's an overlap enough. But you know, if you need more of an outside shot coming from that four position, uh, you can put PJ Washington in. Uh, over Zach Collins, and he's more of a four than Zach Collins is. I will do anything to give Myers Leonard less minutes. Yes. And this is the right step in the right direction. Also, probably, I keep saying that Evan Turner is the worst contract, or maybe John Wall is the worst contract in the league. Myers Leonard might be the worst contract in the league. Uh, I always end up forgetting about him just because he is pointless. Uh, but literally <laughs> four years, $41 million. Myers Leonard should not be making ten million a year. Like it's just simple. Like I think I could probably do a better job as a center um, that he can, and I'm five eight. Um, like I would be trashed. I know it's hot. I don't care. Um, hot takes hot room. Uh, but whatever. It's it's a bad contract. Uh, Ricky, you have them going with Dietrich Lawson, though. A new face. Yeah, and I mean, I just like Dietrich Lawson. I know the first thing you're going to say is Ricky, but he's terrible from beyond the arc. Like, he is shooting in college a 17.4% from beyond the arc, and he's only putting up, like, two attempts per game. But I love everything else about him. He's a guy that's averaging double-digit rebounds. He's going after blocks and steals, gets at least one of those a game. He can score on the inside. He's an 80% clip from the foul line. He's a guy that I like a little bit better than, like, a P.J. Washington. However, this team, I'm going to be honest, it might be better draft. Like, it's a double-edged sword because, obviously, they're going to be—they look to be a playoff team. So, Mm -hmm. obviously, you want to stay in this this range that we have the— bottom range for the draft to be in the playoffs. But if they did slide a little bit into our second segment and not our third segment, there may be some threes available that they could go with. Like if they fell and were able to get a Brandon Clark over a Dietrich Lawson, 
I would say that would be a little bit better. Or if, let's say, Lewis King falls and they're able to get a Lewis King at like 17 through 20, maybe 18 through 20, that might serve them better than going with a four just because they're in this part of the draft and there's not a ton of threes here at this part, in my mind. It's mainly like some guards and then, boom, a lot of bigs. Mm -hmm. And that's typically what it is. I mean, when when you're Mm -hmm. this low, you really don't see those skill positions like threes, three and Ds. It was the same thing last year. Yeah, Uh, You really don't see three and Ds. It's usually like, you know, smaller guards that are trying to make their way, uh, combo guards that are a little bit older, Mm -hmm. uh, or just young bigs that really don't have any other skills outside of being big and pretty athletic. Um, And I I think that P.J. Washington and, and possibly Dietrich Lawson kind of walk that fine line of maybe being those final skill positions uh, that do go outside of, you know, maybe Eric Peschkal, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Luca, or, or even uh, Schofield. But Schofield, again, is, is more of like a two. Uh, but let's move now to the Rockets 23, team that is, you know, skyrocketed, not to be corny, uh, because of James Harden's performance all the way up to the 24 spot. Uh, looking at this team, Ricky, you have them going with a mm-hmm. forward center. Dave and I both have them going guards. Why do you have them going with the center? Because the guy you had him go with went right before him. It's that simple. Like, like, the thing that is interesting, and of course this is going to be like, well, duh, Ricky, the last time we did a mock draft— Just to throw out, it was the Trey Rockets, Jones that went before him. Trey Jones. So if Trey Jones is here, you have him going Trey Jones. Yeah, the Rockets were not good. They were ninth overall in our first mock draft. Now they've played themselves back into the playoffs. They're in this range of 23, and I feel like with the Rockets, it's— I would go Trey Jones if he was available because Chris Paul's health. Like, he's always injured. You need somebody that you could develop and be like, yeah, we've got a competent point guard behind him. But, like, other than that, it's just take take the best player available. And I didn't go Jackson Hayes because I didn't think, like, they needed a five. Jonte Porter, if he was healthy and I had no questions about his health, probably would have been here. But I have questions about those. KZ, you could make a... Debate for, but I'm not super high on KZ right now. So that's why I go with a guy, yes, he hasn't played yet this season due to injury, but add a big on this team, one that you're probably going to put at the four at the next level in Killian Tilly. Well, Dave, uh, Ricky obviously brought up the idea of Chris Paul's health, and that's why you're looking to spell him. Also, uh, not Eric Bledsoe, uh, Brian Knight's uh, contract coming up. What do you want to say about Eric I say Eric Gordon. Oh, Eric Gordon. Uh, yeah. Well, he, he's his contract isn't coming up this year. I think he's got one more year after this. Uh, but Brandon Knight is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're obviously looking to add guard health, uh, guard depth. Yep. So that's why I went with Trey Jones. I'm guessing that's why I went with Dort. Um, yep. Before I ask you about Dort, what position do you think they should be looking at to fill out depth-wise? Because I think Ricky's onto something with the three spot. I think the three is an obvious need, but I don't know that there's anyone on my board who I'd be happy to fit for their system. Like mm-hmm. on For me, it ends up just... Because of best available player, I had Dort falling heavily. So at this point, I was like, oh, well, we've got Eric Gordon, who's basically our third best player. You know, uh, you can make your argument for Clint Capella. That's fine. He mm-hmm. plays amazingly. But, like, third best scorer on this team. And I think they need to have guard depth because of Chris Paul's injuries, mm-hmm. Eric Gordon's injuries, and then Harden when he runs out of steam. So, like, uh, for me, it's like, well, let's just put another guy in there who can ball handle. But I would agree with you. If there's a guy fit-wise for this Rockets team who's a three or a four, who you just need great defense and someone who can shoot from the outside comfortably, mm-hmm. I, I would agree that that's that's an absolute need for this team. And moving forward, like they were hoping to get something out of Marquise Chris, but that man, Bad. I'm sorry, just don't mm-hmm. play basketball. <laughs> 
Like I know you is know he what a basketball into Meyer, is, but like he knows what a basketball is, <laughs> and then when he's on the court, well, he, he generally knows well, the direction here, to go. Before in. I want to bring, before we go, that mm-hmm. what about Admiral Schofield then? Because I know he's six five, he's more of a guard, but yeah. he obviously is a big dude. He's a great defender. Uh, he puts his you know heart into everything defensively and can shoot from the outside. Are you interested in him at all for the Rockets? I I, I think he definitely is worth taking a flyer. But for me, I had someone in Dort who was available, so that's mm-hmm. why I moved him over. But yeah. Schofield or Schofield has an interesting skill set and size, and like when you watch him, it's super fun. He's one of those guys who's just like he lays it all out on the court for them. Mm-hmm. And I am weirdly loving Tennessee a whole lot more than I expected to be going into this year. But yeah, both he and well, um, what's his name, uh, Grant Williams, awesome. They're both they're both awesome, and I mm-hmm. think that their success continues throughout the season mm-hmm. means both their stocks continue to move up. And I mean that's another thing of why I'll go back to Tilly for a second. Of yes, he's an older player, and I know that there's a lot of like it's a stigma against older players. Like oh, you're 20. Also against Gonzaga. Uh, players. I mean yeah, and yeah. Gonzaga players as well. The Thank eggs. you, Adam Morrison. Um, but I mean he's a guy that even last year shot 47, almost 48% from three, shooting almost three a game. He can hit well above almost 60% from the field, can rebound, can score. And I look at what the Rockets need, and yes, a three could help them. That's what they would have gotten if they were still at nine like they were in our first mock. But right now I'm looking at their contracts and the two power forwards, Marquise Chris, yeah, he's going to be – off the books next year. He's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, he won't. And then that means you've got Isaiah Hartenstein as your only Love power dude. forward. He's actually Along kind of, with Clint awesome. Capella and Nene, who are listed at center. So it's like, that's why to me, hey, maybe go with a four here because you might really need that come yeah, I mean, draft time. They're getting good contributions from Clark and Enos right now, but they definitely, wing depth is, is, is a crutch. Mm-hmm. So... Sean, if we do go to summer league, though, I think my number one player that I want to watch would be Hardenstein because I think he's got one more year. He's going to dominate it, dude. He was so fun last year. I know. I want to watch him. Uh, But you know, I I think that's a good point about uh, about Tilly, and uh, you know, maybe it does kind of screw him a little bit if they do fall that way. But you know, hey, if they do end up like falling a little bit after Harden, but they still stay in the playoffs, they might be a team that takes a shot at Seku if he's available. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that'd be interesting just because he has the ability to move the ball. He has that you know size for a three. Um, obviously, he's not as polished as a guy like you know Kevin uh, Hachimura or you know even a Kelton Johnson or uh, an RJ Barrett, but uh, definitely someone that would be interesting to see how they would be able to develop him because he was a guy that you know people thought he was in the number one prospect coming in. And he's obviously taking a fall, um, but something inter- interesting. Why is Dort taking a fall? Anything specific or just hey, not flavor of the poor week? Poor performance. Okay, just a. Two weeks straight of poor performances. Let me. I can pull it up for you. Yeah. If you no. I, no. I know he's, he hasn't been performing well, but yeah. I just. I didn't know if that was the the main reason or if there was anything else. Like I know you were so high on him after the article, and maybe you just kind of fell off of him because you just saw something, or if it was just you know the performance. Uh, it, it's lack of consistency because if you go throughout the season, I overlooked it early because it was small sample size. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. But when you go nine and twenty-two, cool, 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 cool. Ten and eighteen, awesome. Four of thirteen. All right, shit. Six of seventeen. Still not ideal, taking a lot of shots, and I understand that's being pushed on him. Uh, 10 of 15, great game. 6 of 18, all right. 5 of 12, all right. 9 of 19, all right. 2 of 10, 3 of 13, 3 of 14, 1 of 8. Mm-hmm. That right there was like, oh, we have no consistency in our scoring. Yeah. Okay. Does he get to the line? Yeah, he absolutely gets to the line still. He still knows how to use his body. That's why I, like, I probably bounce too far down, and he'll rebound back to that mid-range mm-hmm. again. But... It's it's him forcing up shots, 
and trying to draw contact constantly. James Harden-esque. Uh, That's what they, I was going to say. Could you imagine me. those two playing next to each other? <laughs> It'd be the most boring That's, game of basketball I've ever seen in my life. I don't care because it'd be great. Like, he plays great aggressive defense on people like uh-huh. it, he uses his size well it's just it's the scoring that bugs me and it, it's the lack of consistency so i like to see him really center himself in take some smarter shots and honestly they just need to i feel like they put the scoring all on him and i get it arizona state you are dort you know dort's team at this point but like mm-hmm. he needs contributions elsewhere so he doesn't get forced into all these bad shot attempts mm-hmm. for sure uh, let's move now to the 76ers, uh, both for Jake, but also this is a team that is, you know, big three heavy. Obviously, there was the news about Jimmy Butler yelling at Brett Brown today. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Not too heavily, though. Everybody yells um, at everybody. But one thing that they are lacking is depth. So how are you guys trying to look to fill that depth? What do you see? At least what I see is TJ McConnell is a good NBA player. He he deze- definitely deserves a spot. Mm-hmm. But when he's your first guard coming off the bench, that becomes worrisome. If he's your 12th guy, he's your 11th guy, he's your 9th guy, I think that's a good you know spot for him. He's, he's a guy that can you know contribute very well. I don't think he hurts a team. I don't think he you know propels a team to a playoff spot, but I think he does you know contribute very well to a team. Uh, but you need to look at that guard spot, and Markell isn't locked up. Uh, there isn't solid contributors there. Nicky Alexander-Walker, obviously, is the co- cousin of Shea Gilgis. Um, I, I see a ton of the similarity in their games. Big guard, uh, it would give teams a ton of problems if they're trotting out him ben simmons jimmy butler joel Embiid, uh and you know even throw in uh 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 forgetting half the team right now uh because it's so damn hot in here it's cool uh but those four players with their wingspan their athleticism will be tough to score on Mm -hmm. uh so i I think that adding nikki alexander walker another ball handler but he can also show you know so far he's been able to show his scoring ability as well Um, so i I think nikki alexander walker would add that depth that you need uh for the 76ers add some scoring depth off the bench but then also could step into the starting lineup and help this team trying to just fill out when they need it because again so far they're super top heavy they need to fill out that depth they'll do it in free agency hopefully they'll do it through trades uh but if you're going to do it through the draft, I think Nikki Alexander Walker also having some uh, experience, uh, I think would would, would definitely uh, benefit uh, coming out of that team. The only player that I would look at as well to help you out would be Carson Edwards because that kid can score. You don't like so, Shamit? Like mm-hmm. I think Shamit's performing pretty well. But, I, but someone to uh, run that second unit outside of TJ. Okay. So that's my thing. You need, you need like, a primary ball handle. Okay. Yeah, and Shamit isn't consistent. No. Like he's not a guy that's going to be doing every single night. Same with Furkan. Yeah. Uh, I think that you need more of a consistent player. And Nikki Alexander-Walker, he's not, like, again, he's not running. He's not going to be putting up 30 a night, like, back-to-back mm-hmm. games. But he is consistently running at, like, a 16 to, like, a 25 to a, an 11 to a 16 to a 25 to 11. He's keeping a very con- consistent pace, and I, I do like that. And I think mm-hmm. you do need some consistency in that backcourt for the 76ers. If only the 76ers, you know, had a player that they might have drafted in the top three that could run a second unit. Yeah, Ben Simmons really needs to learn how to do that. out there. I mean, for me— this team, there's so much shakeup for next year because, like, J.J. Redick, A, is he going to be back? Is he going to take a lesser contract to come back? I am leaning towards no. So with me next year, Ben at the one, move Jimmy to the two, or even have, Z- like, is Zaire, when he comes back, is he going to play mm-hmm. his way into the starting lineup? Then it's like move Jimmy to the two, Winston Chandler, or Win- Wilson Chandler. <laughs> Winston, Winston, we got another, another Winston, Winston Chandler. <laughs> To me, the four is the weakest spot because the only true four you have on this team is Mike Muscala. Ben that's Simmons. It. That's the only like that's the only true one. No, Ben Simmons is a point guard to me, Dave. I know. Isn't Moose on a one-year deal? Too? 
he could be. I, I think, think he he's under contract next year. No, you're right. He's yep. unrestricted free they, agent. They plan their the team year, around free agency. It's like, I for me, Johnson's a four. that's why I mentioned, um, I go ahead and mention, like, hey, Grant Williams, is go and get I the like... best four that I have on the board. Might have been Jonte Porter if he was healthy, but no, it's Grant Williams and what he can do for this team just to maybe soak up some minutes at the four because you don't need him to be a high-scoring option because you got Ben, Jimmy, and Joe. I think that you're not too far off. I think Grant, I don't know if he's a three or four yet. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know. Either or. Because somewhere between Wilson six, Chandler is playing six, eight, some of the four know. right now and can play the three, so it's right. like, yeah, you, either just a word. wing. Uh, his his outside shooting consistency, we'll have to see. But obviously, he, mm-hmm. he's a do it all kind of guy. So I yeah. like that fit on that team. I think you would definitely help them. Jonte available. I'm surprised that you didn't go Jonte there. I think that he kind of would help space that offense right back out to where it needs to be. They're definitely missing that from moving mm-hmm. Dario out of town. And I could have e- I could have easily went KZ as well. I say mm-hmm. KZ as well. Like I, it's just your rankings. I respect that. For me, I want center depth because every time Joe is off the floor, they're getting wrecked. Like mm-hmm. Joe is making a case, like a quiet case, will be unless you're in Philadelphia for like <laughs> defensive player of the year and then probably top ten voting for MVP. Mm-hmm. Like what he's putting together is impressive. And I think that if you go out and get Goga, a guy who young, still developing, but has really good upside and plays such a such a physical game for his size. I, I like him, and I think he would work perfectly as a backup center for them. And I am just going for depth because I think they're going to fill in that starting lineup with free agency. I think they're just looking. Draft is all about that depth. Get that mm-hmm. second unit. Get me somebody who can contribute. I look to see Goga being able to do that sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. I, he's an interesting prospect just because, and this is no slight to him, but I'm pretty yeah. sure the last center to come out of Georgia, um, his country, was good old uh, Papayanis. Ah, uh, I think I think it was Georgios. I think Georgios was Greek, but I think he I think he was from Georgia though. I'm not entirely sure. Could be making it up. Uh, yeah. Just for a joke. Somebody spot uh, check that. We'll yeah, check it. Uh, but I think with the Sixers, like they need just depth and wherever you can find it. I think I think going international would be tricky, um, and going with a player who doesn't know his position again could be tricky. I think you need to go with somebody who can contribute right away for that team because they're going to be a playoff team. They're looking for depth. They're looking for immediate impacts. If they had Zaire, he would be forced into that uh, yeah, we spot just right don't away. Know yet. When Fultz is able to play, they're going to force him in right away. They need depth on that bench. They need to try people out. And I think someone you know who can step in right away will be big. That's why Grant Williams is inter- interesting. Goga is just one guy. It's like you know the potential might be there, and it's a good pick mm-hmm. for a ceiling. But again, I think. Stepping in right away was going to be huge for. I mean, they can, like I said, they can even float them international for another year and wait and see. I, mm-hmm. I really think that this team is built around the free agency upcoming year. Like that's their yeah. plan. Is they made it very clear their contract situation is what it is, so they can afford everything they need to. So, draft is just bonus, and if they float a player internationally, I'm fine with that. They've and, done that every year in the past. And you said you thought Papa Giannis was born in Georgia. Is that what you're saying? I don't saying? know. He was, I think it, he was born in Greece. I looked at. I know he was born in Greece, but I think he he had like I have I don't want to. Yeah, yeah no, all the best. And the two leagues he did play in were both the Greek league. All right. Uh, I was just wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bad. Uh, Georgian basketball. We're gonna go to you we'll first, uh, Ricky, for a player that you want to talk about because we're talking about the 76ers. We're talking about Jake, his favorite college yeah. team, or his dad's favorite college team, is St. John's. So give us the Shamori Pons yeah, the play. Like, this is a guy that Shamori Pons in my first mock draft I was not given love to. But I looked at it, and I looked at what he's able to do. 
he's one of those that falls in the KZ Akpala thing that I mentioned earlier. If he can play St. John's into the tournament or into on the bubble, I will even say. Like, if ESPN, CBS, if they're talking about St. John's late in the year of possibly being a tournament team, then that's going to be good for him because that is going to get the spotlight on him. I feel like we talked about the cliff, like how it's Ja and then everybody else. He could be one that later on that a team like the Nets, who might need some point guard help to go along with uh, D'Lo, could go, hey, we're going to go with Pons. He's going to be the guy to run our second unit off the bench when D'Angelo Russell is basically on the bench and not on the floor because that's how it works. Spencer Dinwiddie. And well, you got Dinwiddie. He got paid, but I mean, but he'll be also running, he'll be running the second unit, bro. I mean, there's unless also they, unless they get rid of hey, D'Lo, unless D'Lo gets rid of, but hey, anything can happen. Also, you get another young guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, worst case scenario. Who's it, your player? Uh, I'm going Luca, not that Luca. Um, he he's a Euro prospect. That's sort of my game around here. I feel like I have to continually bring. You're the, the Euro guy. Is that it? Have I not been? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like you're the Euro guy. Outside of Luca, who? Uh, Dave only likes Lucas. That's it. You also he's like a Luca Ro- guy. Uh, Rodion's, but I think yeah, I was I the first it. person to put him in a mock draft. Well, I will have to spot check that one, but yeah, I was a pretty big fan of Rodion's. I- I'll have to go back years past, but I, mm-hmm. I feel like I bring the bring the Euro hype. Uh, basically, he he's a stretch four, face up four. Uh, he looks to have a solid offensive game. Defensively, room to grow, but it, it's just for me. I like the fit. I like putting him there on that Spurs team. You're looking for someone who can kind of grab the reins. We'll see what happens with the contract. Um, we got one more year of, and I already forgot his name. He's a freaking officer, Marcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got one more year of Marcus Aldridge, so that way you can kind of figure out like where's Luca's timeline at at the four for the Spurs team. Is he going to be you know a backup for a couple more years, and you want to continue? Maybe the Demar Derozan, the Marcus Aldridge experiment goes great when you add in a true point guard and you get back. Um, Lonnie Walker, he actually first game of the year was uh, last night. I think mm-hmm. so. We'll have to see. I think they, I think they're a team that would have happy to take another international player because that's just the Spurs. Mm-hmm. But also a face up four if it's exactly what they need moving forward because David Bertrand's well a good shooter from the outside and they've developed the hell out of him. I just don't know that he's the guy who can fill those shoes from Lamarcus. So I look to Luca being a high upside, longer term project kind of guy. But I also think he can contribute at, well, a, at an early level. For sure, but also uh, one thing, too, to help that argument, uh, Gasol uh, has been helping him stretch the floor a little bit, too. Yeah. And he's most likely been gone this year. They might move uh, LaMarcus back to the five. Potentially, and that, yep. that opens up a spot at the four. Uh, I got two guys. I'm pulling a Ricky Wimmer. Uh, <laughs> I got uh, Kobe White from UNC, and I got Matthias Thibel from Washington. Love both their games. I'll talk about Kobe White first. Uh, half the reason why he's on there is because of his hair. Dude is rocking the best fro in college basketball right now. It is Jared Allen level-esque. He's not seven feet tall. He is 6'5". But the dude, just he, you could spot him right away with his hair. It is baller as fuck. Yep. Uh, him rocking this afro. It's killer. The moment he shaves it, he's falling so out of So number one reason, fro. Number two reason, Kobe. What's, what's No, no, what's, it's it's better than a Kobe fro. No, no, I'm just saying his name, his is, name Kobe. is Kobe. The number one oh, reason to take him is because it's fro. It's the C-O-B-Y. number two doesn't matter. It's still Kobe. 
What's the number three reason? Uh, number three is he's good at basketball. Oh, he's good. That's oh. a pretty good one, right? Wow, that's uh, you can't argue with those three results. Yeah, he's 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 pretty good at he's he's a smart pick and roll player. Yeah, uh, I like him not only uh, you know passing the ball, but he's he's got a good uh, mid range shot as well, and he's got a good floater game. So just immediately pick and roll player. Uh, I, I love that. Um, that's my favorite game to watch and part of the game uh, to watch. And then you look yeah. at the Celtics. If they're getting rid of Terry Scary uh, or Scary Terry, uh, <laughs> Terry they, scary. they need a scorer. And I think he, he has shown a little bit of a, of a budding scoring game. Uh, he's not a massive passer. He's not a guy that's dropping like eight assists a game. He has had one game where he's had eight assists, um, but he's not massively dishing out the ball uh, for UNC. He does like to uh, you know shoot and typically averaging around 10 a game. Uh, 10 shots a game uh, and around like four assists a game. So I do like his ability to score. He does get to the line fairly often as well. So I think adding a second scorer, uh, you know, at least a scorer off the bench for the Celtics could be something they're interested in. And especially looking at the picks they've made so far, Bulbul, Demboya, uh, Naz Reed, they needed to get a guard in there at some point. And I think Kobe White can be a guy that does add that. And then finally, the last pick, it's the Spurs going with another defensive guard. I love this kid. Uh, I liked him when he was playing with Markel Fultz. I liked him when he was playing uh, with... Uh, the Markel our, our, Fultz team where he won, what, six games? Yeah, but then I also liked him when they were ranked because uh, he was also on the team uh, with uh, good old DeJounte Murray yeah. and uh, uh, good old uh, guy who just trashed... Um, I've trashed a lot of players tonight. Uh, it's 95 degrees within uh, here for five hours. This guy in the Rockets... Bad at basketball, really bad at basketball. Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris. He was on that team with Marquise Chris. Matthias Thibel, he's been playing with the uh, Huskies since 2015, 2016. I've been watching him a ton. He has the highest steal rate, I think, in the uh, in college basketball, highest block rate. He is averaging two blocks a game, two, uh, three steals a game as a 6'5 guard forward. The guy can play defense, and he's got a pretty decent th- uh, shot from three. Um, it's not consistently great. Like he shot 36% in his freshman year, then sophomore year shot 40%, then 36% uh, his uh, sophomore uh, junior year. Then he shot uh, he's shooting 31% from his uh, from three his senior year. But he's also improved his uh, free throw shooting 71%, 84%, 71%, 90%. And on his uh, career, he's shooting 76%. So I think the shot is there. It's not super consistent as shown through the bouncing uh, you know times throughout the year. But I think he can be a pretty good guard off the bench i don't think he'll ever be a starter um, but i've seen comparisons to danny green at the top end and then like wesley awundu uh in the bottom end i think that he could be a pretty decent three and d player a guy that you know on an nba championship team would be a you know a fan favorite just because he does everything for your team plays hard really like matthias thibel hopefully i'm saying that name right but i think it is matthias thibel uh m-a-t-i-s-s-e and then thibel t-h-y-b-u-l-l-e and that's spelling with sean Mm-hmm. So, any final thoughts? I think uh, it'd be intriguing to see if a guy who has that much uh, seasoning in college goes in the first round. Uh, usually, you don't see that too often. But what? Uh, uh, four-year player in college going at the top mm. or going in the first round. I know, obviously, there's Buddy been. Hill? Yeah, I'm saying there've been cases, but it's no, not I'm often. Just, I'm just wondering, like the last guy to do it, probably is to Buddy. come out. Maybe was Buddy Hill? Right, we go, I'll just look through. There's the probably like guys. a ton. I'm just way off. <laughs> I just feel like well, it is like twenty nine, and I think that most likely he's going to yeah. end up being a second round player. Uh, but I just do like him, and I just wanted to talk about him. So I that's him totally there. fair. So totally fair. Ricky, final thoughts. My final thoughts is uh, I was looking at uh, St. John's schedule. Not only do they play Duke this season, which will be fun to see what Pons does against them. If we really wanted to see uh, Shamori Pons, uh, just saying they're coming to Duke or not Duke, uh, they're coming to DePaul. On uh, March 3rd, so we can go see uh, some St. John's versus DePaul if we want to, right before 
the conference tourney start at the end of conference play. Grayson Allen uh, was a senior. Chandler Hutchison was a senior. Uh, so Thomas, I'm just way off. Javon Carter was a senior, but he was second round. Uh, and thank you for that uh, notice about Shamori Ponce. Be interesting to see him play, but also, uh, I don't know if I want to see uh, some St. John's basketball. No offense to uh, St. John and the Rough Riders, the Red Raiders, mm-hmm. the uh, Red Storm. Red Storm. It was close. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for the Fast Break Podcast. If you haven't already, please rate us five stars. Uh, I don't know why, though. It's been a long, long time. <laughs> a very long, long, long podcast. Long time a ago. lot of arguments. A lot of circles early, that we ran through. And if you are here listening to me talk, first, first person to hit me up on Most Valuable Pod on Twitter who listened to the end of this, I'll Venmo you a buck. I'll Venmo well, you what's a the dollar. Get, what, what do you got put in there so they have to send you a secret code? What's the secret code word? So you got to know that they actually listen all the way through. Spelling with Sean. No. 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 You have to spell the word Poughkeepsie right. Ooh. Poughkeepsie. First try. You get one try. Just Google it. I couldn't do it on the fly, I'll be honest. What if you Google the wrong thing? No. Okay, fine. (laughs) They can just Google it and send it to you. You have to to text me. You have to DM me. Slide into them DMs. Slide Slide into into them DMs. Yep. Of the right spelling of where that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a, a way of the spelling where you have to spell it right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, there. We'll do there. There's much easier. All right. There's all right? more of them. Exactly. Uh, so there. You have to There's slide into the DMs at Most Valuable Podcast with the right spelling uh, of there that I am thinking of. All right. Okay. That's the deal. And I look forward a, to you this. Get, you got a buck on Venmo. <laughs> I look forward uh, to Anyways, that. that's going to do it for something. Uh, Fast Break Podcast. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. If you're, again, listening so far, uh, give us five stars on iTunes. It's been a very long time. I am overheating and probably going to die. I'm going to go get some water. For Dave Oster, that's Ricky Uber. I'm Sean Anderson. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.